So you were talking about before we so rudely interrupted you and we're hanging out before we got in here. We're talking about the the country of France. And, and how they they're very well, uh, in depth with their legal there. documents. I I'll be honest. I uh, so I grew up in France. I came here a long time ago. Uh, hence this accent I've got. And uh, I kind of wanted nothing to do with France for a couple decades because um, France just doesn't isn't rock and roll. Yeah, uh, fair enough. And yeah, I, name, and name, I was, name a French rock and roll band. Dude, I, mean, I was gonna say that's kind of fair to say. Came, it came, it came. There, you know, there's. It be, sounds mean, but it's kind of later on, you know, Daft Punk, Phoenix, they got their own oh, thing. Yeah, Those Phoenix are the two that came French. to mind. They, yeah. uh, Air, they got their own. Oh, they yeah. had their own thing going on, but rock and roll, it wasn't. And I spent most of uh, the late '80s and '90s and early 2000s playing in rock bands. I was like, well, I got nothing to do with that place, and that place has nothing to do with me. Uh, wasn't that interested in it? And then uh, two weird things happened. One, my um, my father had an apartment there, and I had to look after it when he started to get ill, and so I had to kind of like refrogify. Love uh, that term, by the way. That's amazing. <laughs> I had to, That's the first time I've ever heard that. I, had, I think it's the first time I ever heard it. Uh, I had to, you know, I just sort of like re-embrace that culture and get back with it, and um, which was which was awesome along the way. And other thing happened is my mom uh, decided to retire and move uh, back to France. So that happened a couple of years ago. What was the story we were specifically talking about? You were about? talking about some sort of documents. Oh, I, I yeah. I forget. I was, too, so, I was enamored with your Les Paul at the time. So. I was getting beer out of the fridge. So, <laughs> so, that's the whole thing. Uh, so I'm, I go to, a, I go to a, a lawyer with my mom to work out some legal stuff uh, in September of this year. And in French documents, they have this like meticulous thing where you have to write down every single aspect of everyone before the whole document starts. So like, here are the people concerned. And they tell you, you're kind of a, like a mini life story, including where you were born. So the lawyer's like looking down. So he's like, ah, oh, Balthazar de born in Champaign, Illinois. And he stops and he's like, he's like, what's, what's their town in Champaign? It's not even spelled right, but it's called, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it's called Champagne. And he, he's yelling back to the paralegals behind him. He's like, hey, everybody, we got an American guy here from Champagne." <laughs> That's amazing. Little dude, Henry's a champagne boy. So I don't okay. Know oh, this, I mean, but. not 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 geographically. I, so I'm not I'm not this isn't that important. I'm not really much of a drinker. However, French champagne, I will drink all day, any okay. day when it's available to me. It's just my it's my favorite alcoholic beverage to imbibe I, in on the planet. There's a lot to recommend it. The hangovers don't suck as bad as some other things. Absolutely not. And there's there's a refreshing quality to it. Yeah. Just, just a fun but buzz. for me, it's really truly just the taste. I, I like it better than anything else I've ever had. I have a I'm a I'm a problem drinker, not that I drink a lot, but there are some drinks that make me into somebody else that I don't <laughs> oh, sure. I don't want to be. And brown liquor typically for brown me liquor that. for me typically is that so um i find that like <laughs> this sounds so weird but i find that champagne cava uh prosecco yep. that makes me into the kind of drunk ass dude i'd like to be there i am you with you we should yeah. we should we should we should really try to push for this change where it's not just a celebratory drink because mm. that's how we use it here in the united yeah. states mm-hmm. of america right so an occa- an, a special occasion yeah thing. exactly yeah. or a, or a mimosa drink like a like a, a, a brunch. brunch a brunch sure thing. i want to just make it like you go to the bar and you've got some bubs there that's whenever i see rich people drinking on like their planes they're always drinking it's champagne. always champagne and, and it, i'm like oh bubbly. wait 
Does the good stuff, it doesn't make you hungover like the cheap stuff does? Is that the point? I don't, you know, people try to tell me that about wine too. I've had ripping hangovers. I guess very expensive. It depends on how much you really drink. It's all about the quantity (laughs) at that point. I think it's, (laughs) two bottles of this make me hungover? (laughs) It doesn't have nitrates or whatever bullshit. (laughs) Sulfites. Sulfites, sorry. Nitrates, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think a, a yeah, a French sommelier told me once. Well, all wine's gonna have sulfites in it. It's yeah. part of it. Has to exactly. It has it's such to. a bullshit. So thing. forget about that weird argument about. But those Magdog twenty twenties, you stay away from that stuff, man. Contain it's sulfites. High in sulfites. Yeah, well, that shit's yeah. all keto, bro. It's, it's good, keto it's good for you. <laughs> it's I love that kind. Of, I love that form of advertising where it's like non-GMO bro. on on like a I don't I don't on even a, know on a fortified bottle of nitrine or a guitar pedal like non-GMO. You know. Right. We should release like all vegan non-GMO guitar pedals. Oh, we don't need to piss off at anybody else. We're not gonna we? piss anybody off. We're taking the piss. We got a new. Doing. We have a new clientele. That's it. So hey, so let's let's bring it back for a second. Let's you happen to mention your name in the midst of that story. Can Somewhere you back it for the folks. Uh, I'm Balthazar Delay. I'm the founder of Balthazar Audio Systems, and I make Balthazar amplifiers. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. you do. Thank you so much for coming Seriously. and hanging out with us, and, and being on here and talking to the mics with us today. I'm super stoked to have you here. We'll get into all that good stuff later. We do we do have some segments, so we're just going to dive right into these segments here. All right. And I'm excited about this one because we usually start off with what we've been calling the ministry ministry of corrections, uh, and that's because we we make a lot of mistakes, and that's that's what we do. However, through I don't even know a, a moment of serendipity last last episode, you referred to it as the symphony of corrections, and from now on, I am decreeing that it shall be known henceforth as the, the symphony, symphony of corrections. Oh, that was, we didn't even rehearse that. That was great. So now, full disclosure, everybody should know they were both flashing the sign of Satan during that. Yeah. Thank you. That's it, true. It was love. We just need to make this video in the future. Fuck that. I'm not editing it. Never mind. Anyways, so Symphony of Corrections, a couple things that I wanted that I got wrong. Get it off. We were talking chest. about Stanley Donwood last week, the artist behind most of Radiohead's mm-hmm. art, and and I had recently purchased Whoa. his book and was reading it. I made a mistake. I said that he started with OK Computer. It's actually the Benz. So, oh okay. Sorry, world, on that one. I bet the Radiohead geeks like emailed. They were going crazy. Oh, they were blowing up our shit. The, my inbox is just if like. If anybody overfull. gets mad about a band, it's people who are Radiohead geeks. And I'm one of them. So right. we were talking about the Radiohead. <laughs> That's why they're artist mad book. at you. They're exactly. Like, the they all have their Sacred Cow album too. Oh yeah. What's yours? Uh, mine is uh, OK Computer, probably. Yeah. 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 So that was that was what that was my first I think foray into really cool music. But I was probably a little too young to actually fully appreciate it at the time. However, when Kid A came out, that. That blew that blew my dang mind. I have to say, man, I think In Rainbows is fucking like brilliant. It's oh, I agree. And, and mixed wise too. Like if I could do any production on any album, the way the mm. tones are wow. on the drums, especially In Rainbows. I kind of feel like the best sounding one is the Benz. Wow. Okay. Wow. It may be a little more convention conventional. Sure. Sure. You know. I man, I don't know. I would have to really think because some of the rec- the records sound so different. I don't know if I could pick a favorite just sonically. They all do sound different. Um, and which is interesting because Nigel Godrich has done, I think, almost everything with them now mm-hmm. at this point. So, well, cool, nice little Radiohead tange there, folks. Uh, another thing I got wrong. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm an obsessor over the harmonic percolator pedal. Oh, wow. We were talking a lot about it last week. I've got some things to say. Oh, oh. put mm-hmm. a pin in that because I want to. I got <laughs> something wrong. Right. I got something in. wrong. Uh, I, I, in the heat of the moment, I was referring to the no- the names of the knobs, or I should say, the faders on there as harmonics and blend. It's actually harmonics and balance. So, you gotcha. know, sorry okay. about that. Well, well, let's. I want to hear. I want to hear what you, you yeah, say about it, the HP. Is, do I have this right? The harmonic percolator is a descendant of 
like a SysTech product. Okay, see, if that is true, I am unfamiliar with it. Uh, Obscure, not particularly successful pedal company of the mid-70s. Systems Technology. The Interfax Harmonic Percolator did come out in the mid-70s. I believe it was a SysTech thing. There was one guy, because as always, there is one mad scientist, and, uh, and he made a series of pedals... There's one even more obscure than the harmonic percolator. I don't, although I don't think he called it that specifically, um, for the beginning of things. And uh, that thing is just the most glorious parked wah. Oh, really? Sound I think I've ever heard with just in ungodly amounts of gain. And it was meant to be. It was meant to be a, like a clean boost with a frequency. And um, you know, you you you. You come on a podcast talking all this shit. You should probably know what the model name is. <laughs> no, nope, nope. this but, is where it goes back into the symphony but, of correction. Nice right, I, I guess so we'll it's figure it out more, next more week. More fodder for next yeah, week. Yeah, please, but let's let's bro it up, man. Let's talk. Do, so, but do you, does it sound like a harmonic percolator? It sounds a bit like a harmonic wow, percolator. Okay. Interesting. It's, they seem to be kindred spirits. I'm on this. I'm on tell this. Him, I'm on this quest. Your, your so quest. I don't. I don't have an original. I have the authorized version yeah. from the people. Yeah, and have this is the world we live in now too, where like so many of what things were informed by like. There's like way more JTM 45 Marshall clones out there than there ever were real yeah, ones. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's the other thing too about the Interfax, the original. I mean, nobody knows how many even existed to begin yeah, with. Yeah. In my research, I've only found one that's ever sold on Reverb and none on eBay. So, you know, I there I might not ever even get the chance to buy one. However, if I if I did, I will gladly put it on a credit card. So please reach out <laughs> if you have one for me. MasterCard, please uh, but reach I'm try- out to I'm, Henry. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get all the clones at this point because I've built one myself. Mm-hmm. I have a few different ones. Um, I actually have the Catalan bread version of it uh, that I was just playing. It's, it's it's just it's my favorite. It's my favorite distortion sound in the world. And I have I a favorite Caitlin bread uh, uh, sleeper, which is the Naga Viper. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's which, the tr- their treble. It's, it's like their treble boost, treble boost, but yeah. it provides all the flexibility you wish that the treble boost had. So it's got this peaky thing. How peaky do you want it? Do you want it to be kind of broad in this in this frequency range? Do you want it to just be full range it kind of gives you the best control over that because if you've ever messed around with an actual dallas arbiter um uh tone bender you know t- no, treble no, booster or tr- oh the treble booster right uh range master, range master i guess we'll call yeah. it or they, they would that's what they mm-hmm. called it uh it's of it's awesome and of completely limited tweakability mm-hmm. It's just going to do this one thing in this one place and you're going to either like it and or you're not and i feel like um there's a couple of people out there keely made a one that's pretty mm-hmm. pretty versatile sounding and that you can sort of change the frequency that's being the, the center of the boost or whatever mm-hmm. uh and that caitlin bread one just gets it completely right awesome well i love a good recommendation because i'm gonna go get that pedal now is it on, now is that no, pedal happen. number 11 on your quest because you said there's at least <laughs> 10 right there are, oh well the thing about the about the harmonic percolator clones is that it seems like I, in my in my estimation it seems like people as soon because nobody seems to really know about these things but when they do they start a pedal company and make a clone and then that's all they make and they do it well and then they go out of business because nobody it seems like nobody but me and a few other people care about that sound i just mm-hmm. i just love it so much especially into into the front of a slightly goosed tube amp i just I, it's mm-hmm. it's my favorite sound i've in fact my band right now is kind of built around that sound mm-hmm. so goosed just go- you gotta Dude, goose it, baby. What? Where did that come from? Uh, you know, sometimes great, you're, just, you're just letting it roll. That's a great term, man. Is it? All right, well, I'm gonna stick with it, I guess. Goose, baby. Um, back to things that I got wrong. Actually, no, that was all that I got wrong last week. I was do that wanna, it? I do want to mention a couple other things, though. We were talking about that phono cut, 
or maybe it's Final Cut. I don't know. It's a Kickstarter for this company that basically has developed an at-home vinyl cutting system. Wow. Oh, yeah. And it has more than doubled its goal and will, I guess, you know, if if it gets made, it's funded at least at this point. So you can still sign up uh, by the time this comes out. There will still be at least a few more days if you want to get in the early bird. I checked the price. It is at two thousand uh, so pounds. I think check towards your local the end currency. of our uh, podcast last week, we we mentioned this and we talked about it. And I think you talked about some of the, you know, maybe the technical things that might be an issue with producing your own vinyl. Do you want to you want to get into it again? No, I guess I don't. I don't know. We could. I mean, if if there's any, any he, he's I could our, friend, so our friend Baltzar would have so much to say about it. So we might as well let's I, with, just correct it. Do you know what, a do look you... ahead computer? There's a lot of things you could just never do. So you'll never be able to make it as loud, yeah, as you should, as you probably would want to. I'm not saying you couldn't make a viable record on it. I'm saying you might not be able to make a very good sounding record or ever a, or a, a great sounding record that's that's essentially where we landed I'm, but although you have certainly a lot more experience with it i was in fact kind of well, i uh, saw the neumann the neumann cutting lays across right. the uh, across the hall from my shop exactly uh, and i had a record mastered there as okay. well so that's how i so, kind of learned about that you know replace that with like a suitcase size thing <laughs> obviously like dsp gives us a lot of power we never had before mm-hmm. maybe there's they're going to leverage that to turn in, it into something that that uh, that can make viable records. I know that it actually goes back to the fifties. There were suitcase size. There were like little like uh, portable record cutting lathes. Wow. That uh, like people working in the field or like small towns or rural areas or whatever. I'm not sure what the application was, but they've been around for a while. They're not totally new, but um, how good can you get without the computer and the skill? Mm-hmm. You know? And and so and it's it's that and the whole process of knowing how to mix a a, a stereo sound to not to not have the needle jump out of the record, for instance, with too yeah. much bass in the left and right frequency, not down right. the center. There's yeah. all these things that you need to know going into it mm-hmm. as well. So that basically, I think the the thing is, if they the only way that this would work is if they have developed a piece of software that somehow kind of accounts for all of that and just fixes it somehow so, via AI or machine learning or something y- like that. Yeah, you know, we have automated AI mastering now, right? You submit, right. you lander, up- and that yeah, kind you of upload thing. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that does an okay job. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's it makes it it's louder. Free. It yeah. makes it louder, it, it, you know. So if they've got some version of that, and in the case of vinyl, it's not going to be make it louder. It's going to be, it's going to have to do with sort of controlling the amount of bass, mm-hmm. uh, turning the bass into mono, yep. uh, some things like that. I could, I could, I could, I could nerd on and on about it. But um, bottom line, uh, without all that, I don't know what we're going to get out of those records. Yeah. And, you know, I guess that's where I was going with you, it because you, you were kids like, today always prove me wrong. Well, they, <laughs> you know, that's why I wanted to bring it up just because you were like, they've doubled their Kickstarter. Fund, they have. Right? Yeah. So yeah. people are buying into it. So it has to be it has to be decent, right? Like, Not necessarily. Possibly wishful kick, thinking. Kickstarter is is a is a is a funding platform. It, there's no product that's actually made yet. So right. yeah. who knows? You know, maybe, <clears throat> maybe not. But it's yeah. interesting, and I and I hope that it works because I would love to democratize. Dude, the yeah. ability. I want to press we, vinyl. We're gonna press sure. every fucking Gear Hunks oh episode to vinyl. Podcast so on vinyl. <laughs> so we're starting the episodes. I'll tell you another weird angle, which I haven't seen take off that much. Which is there was a whole thing going on in the '60s, and my parents were a part of it, 
where people were really disappointed with the sound of vinyl and people uh, embraced and you can you know you ever I don't know if you've ever gone anywhere where you can buy quarter inch albums oh reel to reels yeah uh, that were commercially produced we think of it as a sort of a dubbing home home uh, stereo totally. thing from the 60s and 70s but there were commercially released ones and that was for people who felt like vinyl had a whole bunch of shortcomings I did a bunch of work doing repairs for a guy who all he did was he would go and do field recordings of jazz concerts and he would cut that straight well cut it he would record it straight to uh to quarter inch mm-hmm. and then he would just release that because he's like in his 70s and he believes like people did in the 60s that vinyl is like a woefully deficient format now when your choices when your choices are vinyl or or just reel to reel, you know, sure. Now we yeah. have, then you get CDs, yeah. then you get streaming, and the choices get weirder. But, but I guess back in the old days, people felt like there was this binary choice, hmm. and uh, and you could either do you could you could do vinyl, but but I guess we're not we're not there. You know, people today are not thinking along along that debate. No, and and I mean, I don't, I I have not filled the other room over there full of vinyl records because i think that they objectively sound better than yeah, they other sound things. different yeah. no, they sound they're different just, they're cool yeah. as fuck. And, and and i i love metal music i don't like metal on vinyl that's it doesn't good. have the oh, right wow. kind of frequency yeah. response and yeah, i like the good. immediacy of digital with a lot of the of heavy certain types of heavy music mm-hmm. uh and but and and again the other thing is that i like to get old original pressings when I want to hear how the the mix engineer wanted it to sound back in 1970 well, or whatever. Same here. They made all their choices knowing that it was going to be a certain thing in the end, yep. that it was going to be vinyl in the end. Uh, same in CD world in the in the late 90s. Now in yeah, in streaming world, people are really respectful of like what they think, whoa, what they think Spotify there's a bunch there's a bunch of sonic nerdy parameters that yeah. uh, for when you're preparing music for Spotify. Same with, same with iTunes. So, guess what? How about this as a guiding philosophy? Uh, best way to go is to listen to the music on the format it was originally intended for, dude. dude and then dude. just kind of like leave it there, you know. And there's something to be said about that, man. I mean, think about even buying like a hi-fi brand new record player nowadays mm-hmm. with a brand new needle that's like a thousand dollars and all this crazy stuff and tube amps. That's not what people were really using in the '70s when they when they produced that record. No, no. They, I mean, it it wasn't. It was, it was shitty. It was shitty and it was really forgiving and it's actually probably better technologically now. Um, I think it's, I think vinyl actually sounds better now than probably any time in its history. Yep. And the way I got taken to school on that was about five or six years ago. Um, I had a band that I was working with and we uh, we mixed a record and, and sent it to streaming services and then sent it to CD. Sounded great. They got the vinyl back and... Wow, I see. And I, by the way, I just broke a rule, which is fifty somethings are not allowed to do. I, I just use vinyl as a, as a noun. Oh, oh, uh, is that right? <laughs> I didn't know. I haven't, I haven't heard that yet. Yeah, but we're not. You're back. allowed. You're allowed to do that. I'm oh. not allowed to do that. So, <laughs> what, what do you have to call an LP or something? Yeah, I know. Got the LP. We got the, we got the LP back. <laughs> we got the LP back, and they had some questions. The band had some questions about the the vinyl ver- version versus versus their um, digital version, and we were able to sit down with a system that completely took all of the variables out of it and played them back at the exact same volume and we just queued up the you know queued up the record and queued up the CD and we played them back to back and I was like oh my god vinyl sounds incredible now 
Okay. It sounds yeah. really good because I'll, I'll take you back to the way that it worked in the 90s, which was kind of the vinyl was just completely being ignored at that at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're an indie rock band. You're putting out a record. You uh, recorded a kind of a fly-by-night studio where the guy recording it probably doesn't have a lot of knowledge about you know, about vinyl anything. Nobody cares anymore anyway because you're going to be putting it out on a CD. You send it off to um, to the you send it off to the vinyl pressing place after it gets mastered. And by the way, you don't get a vinyl you don't get a reference of any kind for the master. You just he's the guy, so you send it to That's them. That's going to be the record. And then the record comes back the test pressing. And sounds like total ass, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just absolute like garbage. That's not what it sounded like and, at all. And and you're and you're 22 years old, and you have no experience with this stuff. Right. And the the vinyl pressing plant says, "Well, it was the guy's fault who did the plating." And the plating guy says, "Well, it's the guy's fault who did the mastering." Mm-hmm. And the mastering guy says, "No, it's the guy's fault who did the mixing." Yeah. And your head is spinning. You have no idea who's accountable for this, and and even what who which one of them you got to turn to to make it right. And you've already booked a, a show that's your vinyl release there party. Let's say, at what point do you just, just say fuck it? Release and you just go. That's what. That's the way it sounds. I guess. And then. you just yeah, you get your record your record release party, yeah. and you just gotta say you're like you gotta yeah, press it. Where you have to press this. I don't know. I don't know what the weak link was that made this thing sound like shit. How many bands thought, out there like I hate their fucking that, vinyl? Record. That was the early nineties. Wow. Mm-hmm. That was totally the early nineties. There's um, got to be like, I mean, wait, so pro tip, did, pro tip, avoid '90s pressings of your. Uh, I records. would agree with that. Yeah, Pearl Jam. <laughs> uh, did anybody buy that on vinyl back then? I Ten. Don't, I, 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 I specifically, I specifically remember my CD copy. One of the of earliest that. cassette tapes I ever had was Pearl Jam Ten. Wow, I didn't know they put that out on cassette. Yeah, yeah. They used to listen. To oh, I had I had verses on cassette. I remember that actually. Uh, verses, I think, band. arguably, was a better album. I don't remember. Songwriter was. I'll, t- we I'll went take your, I'll take your word for that. Ago. Don't need to do it again. Well, cool. That was an awesome little little vinyl, little, tangent. little LP tangent right there Indeed. for us. Uh, on to the next segment. Oh, no, wait. Before we do, just real quick, uh, do the thing where I tell people to subscribe to Instagram and remind them that we're going to be at NAM this year again. So come hang out see and there. Say, we, party uh, with us and do all the shit. I'll oh, be at NAM. Heck, well, we're well, are you going to be there? Do the yeah. thing. I won't be exhibiting. I'm just going to be there just hobnobbing. Right on. Well, we'll we will do call some, that. We will do some networking with do you. We'll we'll elbow, uh, shoulder. What's the what's yeah. the rubbing shoulder elbows? rubs and well, glad shoulder handing. rubs. <laughs> Offering free massages all now because you're gonna need them. <laughs> we'll em. be gladding hand. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, cool. That's it for the symphony. I almost said ministry again. And the symphony of corrections. Nice. Dan, Dan. Uh, on to my current favorite segment, which is grinding my gear hunks, where I just talk about something that has pissed me off this week. I'm excited about this. Why? Because every week I get excited about this. Oh, good. You know how your favorite segment's Dave's Docs? It is. Mine is, is grinding getting, my gear me hunks. Me getting pissed. Well, actually, do my. I've got. I've <laughs> sort blood pressure. Going. I've sort of got two. I. I just want to say I love medium pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we wish we could all just. All right, reach second that second level? band name that I'm stealing from you today. Medium the first. The first. No, the first one was uh, what was benevolent super in, or benevolent, <laughs> benevolent. Uh, slumlord. That's right. really good memory, dude. Yeah. Well, that's because it was a great turn of phrase right there. Wait, is it better than Piss River though? No, Piss River is I really Piss want Piss River we decide is the best. I almost name. quit music because I found out there was already a band called Piss Somebody River. Somebody wrote it on the wall at our and I couldn't space be in and we're Piss like River. we will never come up with something that good. 
No, we nobody wrote it on our wall. There's an actual piss river in the bathroom that you have to jump over to get to I, the toilet. I wrote it on the wall. Oh, you did? Oh, fuck. Of course. Well, that's badass. I put gear hunk stickers I wrote up on the wall. Piss River there. Lives. <laughs> I hope someone thinks that it says Piss River Lives. Um, <laughs> We've all, right, all had those. I've got two grindages. What do we grindings, got here today? Grindings. Uh, they're they're semi related, in fact, and one kind of relates to the harmonic percolator thing we're talking about. The first one, this is this is just my own mistake. In so again, I've been trying to acquire all the clones. One of them is made by this company, Frederick Effects. They no longer make it. There was one that I got the alert from Reverb that I was watching. There was only one for sale on the internet. I got the alert that they had just dropped the price. I was like, awesome, I'm gonna buy it. I looked at it, forgot, came back like a half hour later, and it was gone. So what grinds my gears is that I didn't I didn't pull the trigger. So if you learn anything from that, pull the trigger. However, don't do this. And this is sniping something out from underneath one of your friends. Oh. And I'm going to I'm going to leave names wait. out of this one. Do I know these people? You don't. But so again, I'm and not going to you know. I'm not going to throw anyone under yeah, the bus here. Yeah, how do you know though? So here's what happened. I told I was talking to someone about the fact that I'm on this quest to get all the different harmonic percolators and variants. Turns out in the 90s dod made it's not a, it's not a harmonic percolator but it has even order distortion like the harmonic percolator and no other pedals that i know of and i was talking about this with someone who shall rename name remain nameless and i uh come to find out that within the hour they had gone and and bought the one on reverb that i showed them that i was going to buy Bro. out from underneath they me. did you dirty dude they did me fucking dirty that's nasty yeah why? I mean, did they get it? Like, I th- I think that maybe they don't have a sense of decorum in the gear world. That did they if, take your advice? You sold them on that pedal. Well, I mean, that's what I do. So that's. <laughs> but I I wasn't intending to. I kind of blame to. you though, man. I, that like, was just my excitement about this thing that I'm passionate about right. seeping through the conversation. I wasn't that's saying why you're good at what like, you like. Hey, go buy this fucking pedal that I'm t- showing you right now. Um, so don't do that. Don't snipe gear out from friends. Like, cause I know we're all sharing links around like, Hey, check this reverb thing out. Check this Craigslist thing right. out, whatever. Don't if like, if you're going to, if you're interested in buying it, at least be like, yo, are you, do you mind if I make an offer on this right. or are you, are, are say, you going to get it yourself? At least like be upfront about it and be like, dude, that thing you talked me into buying, I'm, I'm going to buy it now. Yeah. Right. That's only going to happen once in a blue moon. It is. Just yeah. don't, don't be that person. Yeah. Don't, don't be that blue moon. That's funny dude that dude, sucked i was i was i was salty and i was like listen i'm never telling you about anything cool ever the fuck again are you also for the like, rest of our lives you should have just bought it yourself though like right away right there are others on reverb and and this one was a little messed up maybe but it's it was fine like it was that, specifically though. the one that i had showed the other person so that's grinding for this week um i'm gonna throw it over to dave's docs hey we got a dave's docs this what do you week. got um this is actually um it's not timely, I guess, but it's uh, it's appropriate, I thought, for our guest. Oh well, I watched uh, Montage of Heck, which is the Nirvana slash Kurt Cobain documentary. Oh, I have not seen that. Have you not seen it? I, I assumed you'd it. seen it. Um, it's really, really good. It's on demand. You can catch it on, you know, whatever, Directv. What is that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's great. The um, internet. Here's the thing I never thought of. People always talk about like Kurt and his guitars. What amps did he play out of? Does anybody know? I want to say there was a Mesa Boogie going on. Really? On the Saturday Night Live uh, oh, appearance. Oh, like, so, a, like a Mark 
two like or a, something like, more like a mark, mark four. Oh, mark i'm gonna, I'm gonna say this like all the live shows i saw where they showed his his back line mm-hmm. he was like he had four cabs yeah and he would knock them over you know at the end of the right, set right. and like that's kind of their thing sure but it was just cabs i never saw a head sitting there i'm like is he going fucking direct to house dude like what's I don't know how you would have even really done that other than like a Palmer or something, but you still need a head to drive it. But it just doesn't seem like he would have just had like a man, I can't or a Marshall on stage. I I can't pull it. I don't know because I know that you think maybe Mesa Boogie. I know he used Mustangs and like the whatever you could get around. I think he used a DS one. Everybody talks about his guitars. Nobody talks about his amps. Yeah, it's a good point, and I don't know what that really was. Interesting. Wow. Well, you know what? Here, I've got some homework for you. I'm gonna watch interwebs. it again. No, just <laughs> just w- just just do some searching on the internet, and then next week we'll talk about it. But in when the you watch their their sets, um, Novacelic had like a, a SVT backline because there's always a bass amp. Back. For some reason, mm-hmm. I thought he used a Mesa 400, but I don't. What do yeah, I know? or whatever they had, like you know, because they're touring. Like they could have been they could have like been backlining. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. that's always a possibility. My point is, yeah, I never saw a head. It was always just cabs behind Kurt. Dude, nice point. Yeah. I'm interested in that now. Yeah. But so, how, is the documentary worthwhile? It's really to check good. It out? Yeah, it's really good. Um, it's a little sad. It's a little dark. Sure. Um, is that the they, one that shows a lot of footage of of Kurt and Courtney at home? Yeah, and I have seen that. It's dark. There's yeah. some a lot of unseen footage of them. Yes. Obviously stoned and doped out. Mm-hmm. But the point is, there's a lot of cool, um, like uh, illustrative stuff. If you're into like, mm-hmm. you know, cinematography and like some of the cool drawings that he had in the notebooks oh i've got i've got that, the journal and they turn it yeah. into animation it's uh-huh. it's really well done oh it's beautifully well done so i'm surprised you haven't seen it actually i am too maybe yeah. i have and i just smoked those it memories came out away, in like 2015 you know. so i saw it a few years ago and oh. i was like i'll watch no that i don't again. think i have yeah wow. so it's out there check it out nice good one Thanks. all right well we're gonna go to to the next segment which is riff library and i gotta grab yeah, it I've been, yeah. I've been specifically hiding it from you so you wouldn't see it this is normally this is the part of every episode where i talk about a different music book i've read mm-hmm. uh, i could be you know like uh instructional or just totally review based or, or i i've talked about the tube amp building books that sort of thing but this mm-hmm. week I, I want a different direction because i found out about that this I guess you call it a book existed and I immediately bought it on eBay because I, I, I had to have it. And that is the, I want to get the title right. Chicago bears, super bowl XX champions cookbook. <laughs> well, because after the bears won the super bowl, apparently they made a fucking cookbook. Come and on, this man. is an original copy of it. What's in there? Well, yeah, they did. They did everything. It they is did, yeah, all it is. There's, there's no, there's no glossary. There's no, copyright information it is a this what looks like a homebound book well that's definitely every it's like staff here take take a look staff players and uh, coaches their favorite recipe and it's a picture of them and their family and their favorite recipe this kind of binder is is when a catholic church needs to put out (laughs) yes the cookbook (laughs) yes like of the the, lord's cookbook the parish of like the parish cookbook all the parish cookbook yes that's exactly what my wife grew up catholic and she's got a bunch of these sitting around i was gonna say my mom's got 14 years of catholic school right this is how you know how to how to bake kuchadati and this is how you know how to you know so i did i did take i got it last night Maybe and, not this and, book. And tore it open and immediately. What's went through the it. Uh, do us a favor? What's Ra- the first recipe Ra- on there? Oh, you don't want to do the first one because it's like what? because it's just like the staff or something. You got to go to like Coach Ditka or one of the players. Oh, Walter so it's Payton. Is there a recipe for each player. Each player and like their coach. mamas put in the like how to make. Dude, it's so good. Homemade. There are three different instances 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 in there. Two of which were fast food, where the, the player was just like. 
go to your favorite restaurant, oh, really? order a food, and thank your waitress. There, that happens three times in that book. Wow. It's, it it blew my mind. Nice. And every photo is like this sort of, you can tell probably instant camera, candid photo of like Mike Singletary cooking with his family or like Tom Thayer hanging out with the dude that he's, oh, that Tom Thayer's was actually to call your mom and have your mom come over and cook you dinner. And oh, then that also, was his? And then also That was his up. contribution? That was his contribution. Just call your mom. Book. I'm so stoked that I got it, and That's and awesome. I've been workshopping Whoa. an idea of perhaps starting like an offshoot podcast series. Have we you just, done any yet? No, I got it last night, but I think I want to do a, 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 like a whole thing where I just cook each every single recipe in that book, start to finish, and see what happens. Some of wow. them look straight up disgusting, by the way. My wife would cringe. My my Sicilian wife would cringe at the spaghetti casserole oh, yeah. uh, being put forward by Tyrone and Bessie Keys. Uh, for including cheddar cheese as the main, uh, the main topping. You know, it's, um, it's related to that. I went. To, I was in the south and uh, had a lasagna made for me. And I come from an Italian family. Yeah. And apparently, it's a thing there to put Velveeta in no. your lasagna. On Italian well, food, you know, you're in Italian food. Gross, dude. Yeah. What? Pretty weird. Uh, but I didn't hate it. But it was. It wasn't lasagna. You know. You got to remember, like in the 70s, I remember growing up and my parents making Italian food. And like the only kind of Italian cheese was Kraft uh, pre-shredded Parmesan. Oh, sure. You know, um, if you didn't live as as close to Fiori's as you do. I ate it this morning for breakfast. uh, You know, actually, I'm just really happy that I drove down. This mm-hmm. that street and saw yours because I forgot about how awesome that place it's is amazing. and how much I love. It. I love that place. Me too. They're, so I I've said it a few times on this podcast. Their breakfast sandwich with coffee for five dollars and fifty cents is, is it, the uh, best is deal. It full stereotypical pepper and egg. Oh yeah, you can get that. I I was going. I went sausage egg and cheese this morning because nice. I was feeling. Oh, man. I was feeling uh-huh. it. Um, is that, that on a bagel or a, what do they put? No, that it's on? it's a t- an Italian loaf from Damato's Bakery, oh, man. Damato's? It's delicious. I live by Damato's, by the way. Oh, over down by Grand, Dude, best Sicilian there. pizza. I live around I've the corner yes. from that place. Bro. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I love that place. I got bar the other day. Bari Bar- 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 good. Bari's good for the well. sub sandwiches. Exactly. Get tough. I did have the roof of my mouth hurt the next day. Well, it's because they don't they need the model bread up, anymore. Man. There's, a, there's, that, a, there's it, a that food. bread is they scrape you up. Yeah, that bread is. is, is like I don't hate it though. Yeah. I gotta I gotta stay strong. You go buy the models loaf. Walk over to Bari and get no, the meat. They had a that's fight. The thing. <laughs> I know. Can I, I know. just get the uh, meat for the sub there? That's basic. That's the trick. That's will what they you give do. you just if you if it's you a present deli, the man. bread? Will they put no? No, you gotta hide it. They don't like you. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to start. You know, I'm crossing enemy lines here. Also, good arancini. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Love me. Which not every place has. Um, so yeah, that, that that's that, that's beautiful. I'm, I don't on. even know if I'm gonna actually add it to the riff library I, on the website next but... week for Dave's Docs. Can I like watch a non music documentary? Because like, <laughs> what do you think there are rules to this fucking? You thing think that we there's do rules here? to this bitch? Does no one give a shit about the rules? Right. I like where this one went. I mean, me too, me man. Me too. Well, you missed last week or two weeks ago when you tried to push the the Bears entire season. <laughs> 2005. <laughs> he goes here's As your subject. He goes here's your Dave's oh. Docs for next week. Uh-huh. And he gave me on air. Uh, what is it? Thirteen DVDs. It, there's a separate DVD for every game. <laughs> for and some they got, reason, like, Pittsburgh beating them like thirty-eight to three. In, yeah, like, the first and that's game. the worst part about it is that I printed. This was clear. I don't know where I got it, but it's so print, bootleg. Print, printed on there from like a home printer, you know, dot matrix style mm-hmm. was the actual final score of every game. So you get fucking spoiled, Bro, it's before you even pop the game in. Is. Yeah, right. I don't know where you find. I don't know where shit. I got it. It was I, I, I got rid of all my DVDs a long I time ago, you, but man. I kept that's that. So fucking. So I'm a meatball, dude. That fucking I love happens. you, dude. That's all right. Great. Well, hey. Oh, ooh. This is a good one. Next segment. I'm gonna put you on the spot just for a okay. second. 
This is one that we call band buds. And this is an opportunity where you can talk about any of your or maybe one of your friends' musical projects that you think our listeners should perhaps check out that you're that you're stoked about. They don't have to be new. It doesn't have to be anything relevant. It could it's be a broken up any, band. Anything that you, you're Some... like, the world should listen to this. I it out. am not a South Sider. I know nothing about this independence, like this, this music scene that happens completely independently of of us up here mm-hmm. and gives no fucks about us. Yep, I would agree. And does their own thing in their own spaces, and um, uh, occasionally one ventures up here, and it's uh, it's a band that's a huge uh, is a huge deal for one of my employees, which is Dos Santos. Okay, which I've, I've is, seen the name, but I am not familiar. Which is which is pretty weird, good weird uh, rock in Espanol. Hell yeah. I'm down. And, Dos Santos. Uh, Dos Santos. So they're Southsiders. I am I grew up on the South Side of Chicago. Oh, did so this you? Is, are they younger guys? Are they older? They are guys? younger guys. Yeah. Yeah. And they and they are one of a few. I remember in the nineties actually there were a few bands that were doing like rock in Espanol that was really, really influenced by by um indie rock and by alter- well, actually I'll say by more like by mainstream alternative rock. Mm-hmm. And um, I hung out with some of those guys, and they used to just talk about how, um, how completely like how competitive the scene was. How no one was giving anybody any help. They weren't putting together any venues. It was it was like so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of jealousy in in this scene, and 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 nothing really ever got off the ground because everybody was so competitive with That's, one another. Yeah. Uh, my understanding is that there's a lot of Hispanic cool doings going on where people are kind of helping each other out. They're pretty supportive and. Uh, I don't know any of the names of the bands beyond them, mm-hmm. but uh, everything I've heard, I've kind of dug. Which you know, old man that I am, I'm not venturing out as much as I as I want to, and no, that's ha- great, haven't man. gotten out to see live. I uh, can't wait to check that out. Yeah, sometimes playing at uh, California Clipper. That's oh, as far north as they dude, get. Awesome. So, that's a, that's not too. That's a little bit of a walk. Our a buddies, bit of a walk uh, from here. our buddies just played there. Oh God. So our, we've our, we've got friends in this band called the Kickback. Shout out to the Kickback. And and although they were on hiatus, I had received an email from, I don't know, one of the things, bands in town or some such, saying that they're playing at the Clipper. And I was like, well, that's kind of a weird gig for them. Like, they toured opening for that's Bush. That's awesome like, they're, they're like, I mean, it's, well, oh, I love that place. But they've like... The Black Lodge. They've done they've yeah. done big stuff. <laughs> and so to see that they were playing there, I was like, well, that's a strange place yeah, for them. And it turns out... a tiny out dive bar. There was another band called The Kickback in Chicago, not them. They were a rap group. They were hip-hop, I believe. Can I say oh, rap, group? rap group? I think they were rappers. Uh, and it had, an, uh, it had a capital B. And so uh, the kick bag, the kick bag, no capital B. I didn't say anything about a G, the kick back still, but the B was just capital, dude. Come on, man. I know you're hungover, but get your shit together. We'll get it here. together. We're, we're uh, dude, that was an awesome one. Love that band. Buzz. Have you fucked with the Bronx? Have you heard those guys? No. So they were an L.A. based uh, Latino like punk band. You're thinking okay. of Mariachi L. Bronx. Well, that's the same band. Yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah. the Bronx is. You know, the I know nothing. I know nothing. And they would open for themselves as Mariachi El Bronx. (laughs) So Mariachi El Bronx is like this mariachi band, literally, Uh and like these beautiful fucking songs, or you know. And then they go and go back, change, and come out. And the Bronx is like this. They're pretty heavy. They're like I would say it's like L.A. hardcore. Okay, yeah, not like indigestible though. Like really good. Really good songs. No, well, the Bronx a, were fucking badass. Fuck yeah! In a much earlier time, suicidal tendencies was very tied into f- to the Hispanic community. Sure. In that part mm-hmm. of, of so- Southern California, so they were very much a, a staple of that. Exactly. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Sick. 
All right. Well, let's get into some news. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, start with an interesting one. That's yeah, I, dude. I like you're it. You're giving me background. I know. I just wanted to hear it. I for myself. just wrote your new your news theme song. Sweet. Remember we're like gonna, we're remember I, like that, ten next episodes. Week, that's going to be it. You're ten welcome. episodes ago, and I was like, you need to get me a soundboard. So yeah. You can do and you're like, and you're I said never, you're, you're not allowed. You'll to have never one. have a soundboard. And then I'm like. The reason is because we can make it up on the spot. It's way more fun. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, when you want, when you mix the episodes, you're well, you're you can get yourself a soundboard. Uh, may I? Frank Stallone. That are we doing that this? Frank Stallone started a guitar company oh, this yes, week. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Frank Stallone, brother Dude, of Sylvester tell? Stallone. Are you a fan or? It's called oh, Frank Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Doesn't it just assume that we like, all are? Of course, you can't Frank Stallone. Like, Frank but what Stallone would be the act, what would be the primary activity that I would be a fan of? His, the sound, the soundtrack question. that he contributed. Let me pull to up his IMDb o- for Over the Top, perhaps. <laughs> or yeah, Over the Top. Right? He did. He did music for no. that. He did some music for both of the Rambo movies. Not the actual song for or over a couple the top, of Rambo though. movies. Or I mean, I should say Rocky movies. Really? No, I don't think he did the main over the top theme, but he is he is he has been nominated <laughs> for multiple awards for his composition over the years, I and has s- now started a guitar. I company. stand humbled. Exactly, <laughs> Me too, man. Gonna... But you you should you really ought to check out the website because the video content is excellent. Uh, I had a lot of fun. It's pretty fun. It, they kind of look like PRSs slash Deans. <laughs> they do. I'm not in the business. They're okay. pretty guitars. I'm not trying to talk shit or anything. Mm. It's just, I mean, Frank Stallone started a guitar company, and they're they're import Korean made. Do you have I the believe. name? Frank Stallone Guitar Company, dude. <laughs> what else would you? What else would Frank Stallone name? Well, I thought they were called company? like you know. <laughs> uh, another one for Stallions the bucket list at Nam like, this yeah. year. <laughs> oh, you know they're going to be exhibiting this year yeah, for sure. With an, uh, yeah, an outsized booth. But I decided that they they need to start a family band and call it Low Still Only Boys. Um, that, that, oh, he's God. pun he's pun heavy man. I'm I a like pun that. boy. I'm a, a pun, pun hunk. Boy. It happens. I can't help it. It's, There's I a know certain it, part of your brain that like some people can pun. I can't it's, pun. It's one of my best and worst qualities for sure. So Dang I don't. I, there, I literally don't have anything else to say about it other than Frank Stallone started a guitar company this week, and uh, you can go to their website, and it's sort that, of like two thousand early two thousands GeoCities layout. And if you need, I'll send you a photo. How, of, how, many, how many visitors on the counter at the bottom? The oh, the guest book is filled to the brim. <laughs> oh, so uh, the GeoCities. There, there. That is. Uh, so I, I, I do want to talk about something. I've had kind of a big week, as you know. I got a new Les Paul this week. Oh, uh, so dude, hold on. That I makes two of us. This. Can I bring this up? You bring what up? You got a new Les Paul this dude, week, dude. I did. Yeah, she's a beaut. Gold you top. Know, it's a gold top. Uh, it's, what are it's, those pickups? They're fifty-seven classics in there. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna. I, I will say I'm typically a Duncan Antiquities guy. It's what I've got in my '78 custom. It's my. I've had it in a few Les Pauls. I will probably buy a set to put in there just to see what it sounds like. But so far, I don't dislike the sounds of the '57 classic. It's just different than the Les Paul. Sound I was saying that I, that I played it earlier for. today, and I was like, "What would you actually change?" It sounds. It sounds like a great guitar. It. It does, and it feels great. I. I was really looking for. I know, and this is probably like the most dad thing for me to say. I've been looking for a chambered Les Paul because mine is too heavy. Uh, okay. Is that chambered? It's chambered. Yeah. Oh. So it's about, it's almost, it's still, it's not a light guitar. It's still probably like nine point something pounds, but it, it is like a couple pounds at least lighter What's than. What's the uh, 76? Like, That's like a good 12, 13. It's, Those are beasts. It's it's probably about 12 pounds, I think. Uh, it's very heavy. What sure. I noticed was the side-by-side photo that you posted on Instagram. Oh, shout out. 
shout out Instagram. Oh no, it didn't. We change the name of shout out. Remember that we, we hated. We were going. We decided like, we hated the, the term shout out. Mm-hmm. So we were calling we, like yeah. Oh no, we we're calling it a holla. Holla, yeah. That's, <laughs> so I want to give a holla. Give to a holla to Instagram. Um, dude, when you put them side by side, though, I didn't realize how many differences there really were from. You know, the different color speed knobs, uncovered Even the uh, inlays pickup, are different shapes. Trap inlays versus the blocks of the yeah. custom. It's got a rosewood board. See, which year versus which year? Uh, this is a 2012 gold top, and the Les Paul custom is a 78. Gotcha. And is the 2012, that's not a reissue of anything, right? That's like a... No, so it's it's original. called the Les Paul Signature T. And that was during the era when they were doing a lot of really goofy shit with robo-tuners and like all that kind of sure. stuff. And this was the one that was like, hey, we went back to Les Paul, like the Les Paul's favorite specs with the carve and the neck and all that sort of stuff. And they just put that on. The only sort of goofy thing, which I actually have turned out to really like, is that it's got push-pull... Uh, coil taps so you can mm-hmm. split the coils and, and and it actually sounds really nice I, yeah I, which I is dig pretty that. standard now on like on the west paul standard totally. things exactly. like that yeah okay yeah it was yeah so they as, were as opposed that. to the traditional the traditional right exactly that's right um so and in fact i've my sg i've done that already so it's it's a feature i like obviously jimmy page did a lot of people have done mm-hmm. that shit over the years but i'm digging it man it's uh i used it for one band practice my shoulder didn't hurt the next day so that hey. was kind of the main goal dude that thing and the neck on that thing plays so nice man Interesting. I mean, it does. Interesting. I think the the thing that I'm surprised most about is comparing it to my custom, which is during the much dreaded era where they used maple necks, which I happen to like. <clears throat> that the one that is a mahogany neck, which in theory should be darker, is actually a totally. It's a brighter guitar hmm. than my custom. Really? Um, yeah. So I had to turn the you know the volume or the tr- the treble on my treble my VT40 down a little bit. But now, uh, as an aesthetic guy, I'm you know not a Gibson guy, so I don't know all the, all the stuff. Wait, you could have. Wait, what do you like, bro? Fender boy. I know. Um, are you going to buy the pickguard and the Absolutely. bevel or the bezel? The bezel? Oh, the truss cover? Well, uh, no, no, the bezel for the uh, the switch. Oh, oh, uh, oh, the, honestly, the poker chip. Aesthetically, that is really, yeah, poker chip. I'm definitely, I'm, that's I will, what they call I'm, that? That's what that's I didn't what know that either. Of, I, I mean, like, not officially, but that's what us, wow. us nerds I like call it. it. Yeah. That's uh, the hunks. No, I will absolutely be getting a cream poker chip because I'm looking at it. I'm like, she looks a little naked. I don't like the no pick art on a Les Paul thing. I know that's a very personal decision for any any Les Paul player. I've had numerous, I've tried them on, on and off. I just like it on. It's, it's I have I to say, like it with it off right now where the light's hitting it on the contour right there, it looks real pretty. That's why you get a gold top, yeah, so that it looks like Dude, that. Look at that. <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm 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 still in the phase where I just leave it sitting out here so I can just gaze over at it every once in a while for I, sure. I figured if you, you've got to have a nice guitar just to look at it, man. I mean, yeah, put it out there. I would one never buy a wall hanger, but I I don't mind if they look good. And that one is nice because it already got beat up a little bit. It's got some greening happening. There's there isn't really much checking, but there's some dings and stuff. And I don't like. I don't like pristine guitars. I like guitars that have been played and beat up a little bit. I will be taking the finish off of that neck like I do on any neck that, oh, I, really? that I play. Is that but, right? Um, I, I wouldn't do that like if you know I bought a, one of the bursts that I played this week, but like you know that one, it's it was. Did you play one of the bursts? I've played I've down played at, it. down at our local giant guitar emporium so i work at chicago music exchange we oh. can talk about this Hello. that's totally fine uh so yeah i've actually played two of them and in fact the, Holla re- to the, chicago re- music the reason that i decided <laughs> that i because i had i'm gonna be honest i had you on a list of people that i wanted to get on the show already like a literal list and i just hadn't reached out to you yet mm-hmm. and then i plugged the 59 into your film noir 50 uh-huh. and was like 
why hasn't he been on the show dude, yet? Can we just slide into? I want to talk about amps, dude. Okay, I'm excited. Oh, absolutely. We can. We're, I've. I'm. I am fully prepared to talk amps yeah, right now. I'm done with segments. We can talk. Let's Les break. Pauls. Let's we get into talk it. I know you want. a thing or two, <laughs> not three. Your but amps are too. All right, I will limit it. I will limit this to two questions then. <laughs> yeah. uh, the audience <laughs> questions. Wait, we had some fan questions. <sighs> this is gonna be tough. Oh man, I got to do some cutting here. Okay, Jamie and Hoboken writes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, shout out to all or holla to all of our Hoboken listeners, holla. New Jersey in the house. Uh, so the first thing I do want to say. So obviously your company is called Balthazar Audio Systems. It is. There's no question why you would use the word Balthazar in your name because it's one of just the coolest names I've ever heard. However, I do have to ask why is it Audio Systems and not say Amplifiers? When I started it, I was still doing a lot of uh, what, you know what we'll call pro audio stuff. Sure. So I was doing a lot of repairs and I was uh, thinking about some products that I wanted to make and I wanted to leave myself open enough to pursue those things, whatever they might be. Mm-hmm. I made the amps. I said, fuck all the other stuff. I'm, I'm going to go down this road, and, and that's what I decided to do. But yeah. at the very beginning, I was kind of wondering, I was like, well, will it be amps and compressors, and maybe I'll make a tape echo, and maybe I'll make some other things like that. So uh, I wanted to kind of leave myself open. Yeah, why limit? All right, so here's a question that I have. When you were, when you were first prototyping your amps mm-hmm. how like how many iterations did it take until you landed on where they are today uh it took a few and it had to do with figuring out which bells and whistles were worth keeping and then the other part was i had to think to myself about how faithful i wanted to uh to keep to the amps that i was uh deriving inspiration from Right, and those being the Selmer. Mainly, and mainly, at, yeah. The, my first product was was really inspired by Selmer treble and bass amps, which mm-hmm. nobody—that's a whole other story. Uh, which I wanted to ask about because it's crazy that you've ever even been able to play them. I've never seen Dude, them. I, I've seen one in my entire life. I've I had, never seen one. I had a unique. I had a unique a, uh, access to it because I was doing so many repairs. I was re- doing repairs for Rock and Roll Vintage, which was a, oh, a, 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 Heath. a, a, a store. Holiday Heath. Holla to Heath, a store which is a store in town here. But I also I worked for the Smashing Pumpkins for about ten years, mm-hmm. and when I actually showed up, I uh, I pretty much told them I'm not going to work on guitar amps because I don't want to get fired. And <laughs> was that was that a thing that was happening well, with them? I don't was, know they, they needed that. they needed everything to be repaired because they essentially had a Noah's Ark of recording gear. Uh. Whether that was whether that was recording consoles, tape machines. Uh, everything that goes along with recording, but also you know the fleet of guitar amps. Um, and I didn't have a lot of experience with guitar amps, to be honest, at that point in terms of in terms of building and design. So I actually kind of compartmentalized things and stayed away. As things got slower and slower, because I'd already kind of chewed through a lot of the other stuff that needed to be done, I was like, hey, you know what would be great? It was if I if I kept this session rolling by. F- by fixing this guitar amp and getting it back so that it, it can get used for recording on, on a, you know, any, whatever given project they had. So I actually got to, I got to play with the Noah's Ark, you know, f- fleet of guitar amps. Right. And uh, to his credit, um, Billy Corgan is a person who um, actually s- t- likes to stay way off the beaten path in terms of, in terms of the amplification that he uses. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, sure. There were some big hundred watt marshals that got turned up to 10, and and that and that did its thing, uh, but there were a lot of other things, and some of them were things like older Selmers, and uh, so I got to have a peek inside those, 
and and work on them and also hear what was what was cool about them mm-hmm. uh can you talk a little bit more about that because like i was saying you know i've never even been able to i've never seen one i've yeah. never been able I was to saying, plug how into there's, there's a specific selmers laying can you around talk a there's a specific reason yeah this is a specific reason why uh we in america never uh never really got to hear selmers which is okay selmer is a french saxophone company mm-hmm. that also used to make things like jango yep. Django Reinhardt's Gypsy Guitars, some things like oh, that. Oh, I didn't realize. I thought that was McAfee for. That was McAfee kind of collaborating with Selmer. Oh. It's called the McAfee Selmer. Wow, um, Dad. You know, so guitars with weird looking f holes. Yep. Or wide, uh, wide or, or sound, sound holes. holes anyway. Uh, so uh, that was a company. That company had a satellite in the UK that made uh, that uh, started making things like guitars and guitar amps. Had a big store uh, in London that was like a big like music retail store, a guitar center of its time. A know, music row deal. It was a music row type of a deal. Then, over in the U.S., there was a company called Selmer U.S. All they wanted to do was import the saxophones, which were all the rage. And I guess some I, I won't pretend to be the expert, but I guess uh, you know Selmer made a couple like sort of holy grail saxophones and cool. and uh, brass instruments. So. You're somewhere in the UK. You're making these cool amps. You're actually the biggest selling amp maker in the in the UK. And what year are we talking about? 59, here? 60, 61, okay. 62. Oh, nice. uh, you're the biggest. You're the biggest amp company in the UK, but you can't get your products sent over to the US because there's already another summer that does not want you in on their turf. Mm-hmm. So they just uh, left things as they were. They just decided to concentrate on the UK market. Yeah. They sold those clavulines too. That was another thing that Selmer UK. Clavuline is a monophonic tube, uh, a tube synthesizer. What? Uh, imagine, um, imagine a theremin, but with a keyboard, and that's kind of what you got. So the famous kind of like the on disc mont note thing. Uh, kind of like that. Yeah. the The famous clavuline songs are "Crocodile Rock" by Elton yeah, John. John. And wait, what's what? what uh, the, like the main melody? That, oh, dude. Wow, that's awesome. I had no idea. And then a song where I'm really showing my age here because it was, it was kind of more from my parents' time, which would be uh, Runaway by Del Shannon. Oh, yeah. I that wow. Is that the lead, the lead that's, the clav- that? that's a clavulin. The claves, yeah. Yeah, so... Dang. Uh, that was okay. another thing that Selmer, uh, Selmer UK was doing that was kind of their baby. It was, it was a French product, but they were importing them and they were selling a lot more of them. Oh, sorry. Here's another one. Uh, Telstar mm-hmm. was uh, was another Same. Uh, another clavioline song. Gotcha. Wow. So, which I guess, it, you know, at the time was kind of like the biggest selling uh, instrumental of all time. Wasn't so, superstition? I'm, on the I'm learning so much already. Uh, that's a clav, no, that's, but not a clavulin. Yeah. That's, that's, ah. a, that's a honer, a honer clav. Yeah, uh, honer D six. If I, I think if I'm if I'm getting that right. So anyway, so uh, those things were all set up. The, all these amps were set up to run on European voltage only. Mm-hmm. So you had to be a real connoisseur and a bit of a of a of a gearhead to you know do whatever needed doing in order to run your Selmer in the United States. Really yeah. quick, is that is that an, a function of the output transformer that determines that? It's a function of the power transformer. The power transformer, okay. Yeah. So, 
uh, one of the funny things was Selmer uh, giving no fucks about about exporting to the United States didn't really make their output transformer. Excuse me. Now you. Now you it's my fault. You got me on this. I did it. The power transformer uh, versatile enough to run on both voltages. A lot of times now we take that for granted. You, there's a little switch yep. somewhere in your amp, and yep. you're going to go to go on tour in Europe, and you flip that switch, and now you're going to go on tour in Europe, mm-hmm. uh, or vice vice versa. But back then, not so much. So, so do you have to have a what is it? Would that be a step Power down? Converter? You need Trans- a step up transformer, step up transformer here in the United States. I have yeah. a friend who's got like an old Vox, like a oh wow sixties top boost. Yeah, and he and just insists on running it. He has to run it through like a okay. Know, I'm like just play, just plug it into the wall, dude. What? Mm-hmm. Come on, let's go. No, I don't, man. Okay, wait. Let's really quick. I really want to talk a lot about your ants, but I do want to. Be, I want a tangent here. Yeah. Because I've been thinking this about this a lot. No, it's not grinding my gear hunks. <laughs> it's something that I don't know enough about that, yeah. but I also want to get to to understand more. Is this idea of using a variac and that sort of thing? With, oh, I'm willing. I'd love amp. to talk about that. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. yes, please. Will you? Will you inform I me? I think because he's the guy. Let's do I've it. I've been doing my research okay. online. There's a few that I've been looking at that I've been uh-huh. trying to get, but I just don't know enough about it. Please sure. tell us about variac. Okay, the variac itself that you use will not be super important to to what you're trying to really? achieve. The the specific variac. But here's the thing. Um, what came out of the wall in 1955, 1965 was about 117 volts. Mm-hmm. Let's see what we got. Oh. What comes out. Okay, well, got wow. 117 going here right now. Yeah, <laughs> We're running uh, 117 The right norm now. in Chicago tends to be more like 123, 124. Yep. This, I'm usually running a lot hotter than this. That's funny. You would think 117, 123, potato, potato. It's sure. not that big a deal. It's kind of a big deal because the thing about guitar amplifiers is they are so reliant on what's coming out of the wall. They they are not what we call regulated. Mm-hmm. So a regulated thing, like for all this studio gear that you see here, 117, fine, I can deal. I'm just going to regulate it to this other voltage. 123, 124, 125, fine, I don't care. I'm just going to regulate it to this voltage. Mm-hmm. And that's how modern things work. Old days... That's not how it worked. So 117 did one set of things to the guitar amplifier. 123 does another set of things. There, it believe it or not, I'm here to tell you, it, it's a sound. It's it changes the sound. So so uh, we ran into this with the Smashing Pumpkins quite a bit, where we had all these great great vintage amplifiers at our disposal. Uh, but as opposed to running at 117. Uh, where, up where they were recording, it was more like 124, 125, mm-hmm. and it hardened the sound. It, yep. it changed the, the something about the sound. I didn't know that that was a legit thing to be concerned about until I saw it and heard it in, in practice. It's it's real. Um, so Variax are kind of cool that way. So then you talk about more extreme stuff, things like the supposed Eddie Van Halen things of like right. dialing the... it back even more. That I can't speak to as much because I just haven't done that specific kind of of thing. But mm-hmm. knowing what I know, absolutely, that would be a way to change the sound of a guitar amplifier big time. So, two questions: when you're when you are designing your amplifiers, <clears throat> do you have them at a specific voltage? Like, you do, should it be at one twenty? How do how do you how do you? I measure for that? them all at one twenty just so that I have something that keeps me sane, so that each amp. I can sort of measure apples to apples mm-hmm. and not have have it be a thing where, you know, there's a I, I'm in an industrial neighborhood. So, you know, um, 
something could be going on with a transformer where someone's using heavy equipment and, and the voltage goes down. That actually happens a little bit on the west side of Chicago where mm. uh, you know somebody using heavy machinery near you will make the voltage go down. So I have a variac there so that 120 volts is always 120 volts. Right. So that I'm not getting fooled by like the fact that that there's something weird going on electrically nearby. So I even the first time I ever even really became aware of this was because of actually a Premier Guitar Rig rundown for ACDC. Okay. And found out that they tour with something the size of a small refrigerator <laughs> that essentially they an isolation transformer. It's an isolation transformer. Do you yeah. know can you can you talk about that at all? Because yeah, those I get don't used, quite understand. Well, it. those get used a lot in um those get used a lot in things like high-end recording studios, and that's meant to keep the guy who's doing welding next door to you, or to someone who has a huge office copy copy machine. Those are other. That's another famous culprit hmm. uh, when you share a building with them. It's meant to keep all the weird things that those are doing to the power lines from getting into your okay. world. So it, it, you basically, no matter where you go, you know, especially if you're on tour, you know that we're going to get this type of filtered regulated power no matter what yeah right that's cool, especially right. with it's those like dudes running like that's really nine standard. old marshals or whatever right they, yeah got. that's really standard now uh, in in touring you know huge acts actually when they take their act on the road to europe uh they do a bunch of things that we have we've learned by our our endless foreign uh war adventures which is that we do what's called bringing america with you mm. so actually um large touring group goes on tour uh, in the old days, you'd have to get your you'd have to get your your you know marshal that was meant for the U.S. to run on run on European voltage or pick up uh, pick up a new amp for uh, you know for that tour that mm-hmm. leg of the tour. Now, what happens is actually uh, American voltage is coming out of the everything on the stage. Right, you, you don't you don't have to. It's the same the same as an Air Force base in Afghanistan. And that's a lot of where that, that those techniques were sort of perfected. Wow, I had no idea that that's where that. I mean, it makes sense. So much, so much of our technological innovation, unfortunately or unfortunately, has come from the military. Waterproof complex. USB, you know. Yeah, right. Exactly. I liked what you said earlier about how, like, how much does it really change the tone? Like, you're like, does it, this really matter? It does. Yeah, it does. Man, I'm getting a variac. It's happening this week. I've got to. <laughs> well, especially because I've noticed. I mean, over at our practice space on Carroll, I I play an old VT40, yeah, and like some days it sounds awesome, and some days it sounds like a little like shrill or harsh. And I had a recording studio that was that's down at Sacramento and uh, Sacramento and uh, Chicago, mm-hmm. and they have problems with this. Uh, they have a like a stone cutting. Uh, place next yep. door. Stone oh, City. Totally. Stone City. Is that Minball? Were you at Minball? Yeah. Is oh. it, Dude, I've recorded there. That okay. place is great. Yeah, and and they, they used to have an issue where sometimes uh, the voltage would fluctuate quite a bit. And, and they, they had ha- only like old shit there. Yeah. It was all and old gear. So they had, they, had the, uh, they had the tape machine equivalent of old amps, yep. which is that they had an old Scully tape machine and an old Ampex tape machine, which, guess what? The speed of the tape no would way. change. Oh, no way. Somewhat depending on the voltage coming out of the wall so uh, when stone city was going nuts with these huge super you know powerful uh, uh they would water cut cutters, stone there yeah cutting, cutting <laughs> as stone the, as you might guess from the name yeah yeah as you might guess from them they were building a city out of stone <laughs> <laughs> so when they were building when they were Don't doing what they were doing uh yeah guess what the tape would slow down yeah. a little bit. no way yeah Imagine being a band and like coming in and be like uh can you guys come back next weekend when they're not like, right no what the shit? solution was very axe so. Yeah. so okay so like uh, I mean, I guess 
how common i mean how prevalent is that in recording studios like i you know the first time i met you i guess would have been 14 or 15 years ago i would not i would not have known about that back then but would a place like engine have had that no no so they but do you think is there a is there a greater awareness of that these days then do you are in your experience I kind of think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's just a greater, there's a greater awareness of all things, kind of tube guitar. True. You know, this is kind of happening, you know, thanks to the internet. So Mm -hmm. I want to dig into that more. So uh, when you're talking about slaving over these different changes and changes and stuff with your amps, Mm -hmm. like, I I've, I got into the pedal building world for a little while and I knew enough how to, to, get hurt but like i'm not i'm not, I'm not a pedal builder but I, under, I understand the concepts but i don't understand the concepts of prototyping amplifiers is there is like is there a breadboard equivalent for for <laughs> That's the, that sort question. of thing it's funny that you say that um there there isn't uh really but everybody kind of does things their own way mm-hmm. and i've seen some people who've come up with some things that are sort of like like prototyping what i have is i have two amps um of each model that are identical and every time i make an update i update them both and then i if i make a change then i'll listen to the old way Mm -hmm. with the new way over and over and over again like just go back and forth and listen to the two of them so okay so is it is that turret board Mm -hmm. yeah because all my amps are sort of stuck in 1962 turret board technology i'm into it yeah so okay so speaking of the components and that sort of thing Again, I understand that there are power and output transformers, but I don't really understand like what difference they make in in the amp. So, can you talk about those uh, a little bit? It's, I mean, it's, the subject is pretty vast. And uh, how about just specifically in your amplifiers? How did you? Oh, approach, in my in my amplifiers, how did you approach. Oh, in, choosing or using whatever oh, yeah. ones you're using in there, and kind of how they affect yeah. the sound in there. Uh, well, what I what I began with was I began with um with amplifier uh amplifier transformers that were made here in chicago because i just wanted to i wanted to make that work i love that i love that so much it's pretty cool because we actually have this huge history uh, in this town of musical instrument manufacturing whether going back going back to people making mandolins and early archtop guitars and early parlor guitars all the way through amplifiers importing uh importing all the combo organs um chicago is actually the place that disseminated a lot of those products yeah, and then the NAM show used to be here. It would have been, 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 been a lot easier be, for us. Wouldn't that be I great? <laughs> I, I, I sort of pine for those days. Yeah, right. <laughs> Although we will get to escape this brutal hellscape of winter I'll sit on a in, plane middle, for a in the middle hours. of January right, right. and go to California for a bit. So that'll be all right. So I started with that. I wanted to make I wanted to make products that were built here already work. And and I'm I'm happy to say, I mean, I A B them with a lot of other things and, and kept coming back to them. Um and what's the name of that? It, they're called Classic Tone. And Classic at, Tone, cool. Yeah. They are out in, uh, I believe, Melrose Park. Nice. So they're uh, they're actually the descendants of, I believe, the people that were making like the Valco and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those amps that were sort of like, is it a Gretsch? Is it a Valco? Is it a Montgomery Ward? Yep. Uh, they they were actually um, building those, I think, in Logan Square and then moving oh. out to uh, Melrose Park. And we're talking Logan Square in the fifties. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, you know, I, what was the, was the question? I guess so. Then, was, okay, so that's how you got to the ones that you're using, but just like in 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 like the most simple form. Uh, yeah. What, what does the output transformer what was the output, do? What does the output transformer yeah. do? Well, the output transformer is really the last. It's the last component before we're going to hit the speakers. So, uh, 
it has a huge amount to do with the way that the amp sounds. It has to do with um, how fast, say, the low frequencies uh, uh, saturate, in which case they're going to be sort of distorting. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say you wanted a, you wanted a lot of like you wanted the bell bottoms on your you know the the pants of your uh, legs of your of your pants to like flap in the wind while you chunk on a low right. E. But in, now we the times we we've live been in there. D C. Yeah, I think whatever. it was D on your Les Paul it was right a now. G, you know, uh, well, minor. that that's going to require a lot of headroom in mm-hmm. in the way that the output transformer works. So that's one thing. But what if you want to have a more vintage tone where you want the low end to kind of have this cool fuzzy vibe? Well, mm-hmm. then that's that's a different kind of an output transformer setup. Uh, using different materials, using different uh, amounts of winding, using mm-hmm. different um, uh, gauge of wire. It's kind of like a pickup in reverse. Oh, okay. It's a cool way of putting it. If you think about it, you know, so the the thickness of the pickup wire has a lot to do with the ultimately with the inductance and the uh, the measured resistance and mm-hmm. some things like that. Yada yada yada. We don't need to know that, but we do need to know that you know that there's a difference between a high output, you know, guitar pickup in terms of the way its frequency response works, right? The ones that are always really, really high output are also aren't that bright. Right, yeah, exactly. Often, or you can have a lot of brightness and detail and not a lot of output. Well, you can kind of imagine that you can sort of do the same thing with an output transformer. And um, and so how, where did you land with yours? Are you Did you seek a larger amount of headroom for the bass, or are you kind of sticking more to the vintage vibe with that? What, what I did was I had to do a series of procedures where I actually took the... Uh, in my particular case, I took a Selmer, a pair of Selmer output transformers from from amplifiers, uh, isolated them from the rest of the amp, and then took a bunch of measurements, and mm-hmm. then kind of made my decision based on that, and then I was happy with that decision. So, so it was it was uh, using your ears, but in the spirit of maintaining some sort mm-hmm. of semblance of this yeah. vintage thing and, that happened. And the most fun about thing about about doing this particular thing is that um, unlike. Uh, Unlike certain other aspects of electronics, you really get to use your ears with guitar amps. Guitar amps have a way of like you change the one thing and you're like, <laughs> whoa, didn't think it was going to make that big of a change, but that's kind of where the mojo is. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, pretty fast you find out also but. other things you change, like, yeah, I don't know. Not happening. That one's fine. The other way is fine. It's not having that big of an impact yeah. on things. It, it, um, it really it shows you right there and then you you play the same riff you play the same chord yeah and you're like whoa a little different there and is that so. a sound thing that happens or is it more of a feel thing that you're noticing with that I think it's primarily a sound thing but I guess the thing about amplifiers that are so fascinating to us and it's uh, this is this is a just a black art really is that um they they change the way we play yep. whether we know it or not and that's why we. I mean, you can go into the Kemper and Helix place and talk about that or whatever, but like that's why I I feel like a lot of people are are not particularly into the idea of like, well, I would just record direct and then I'll imp- ramp it or send the, send this through a bunch of different signal changes until I find the one that I like. Well, that's cool from a like a purely sonic standpoint, but then you didn't play. That. You didn't get the feel from the initial. You, you take. know, yeah, you didn't get the feel from the initial take, and so. Um, I think almost everybody of, of any age and in any genre kind of recognizes that that's that's um, still a cool way to go is to like you know to res- to play you you're playing the guitar is responding to you you're talking about the sustain of a guitar that that's something that's going to change the way you play yep absolutely. absolutely you're gonna you're gonna bend that that note and hear it ring out if if it sounds beautiful and sustains or guess what if it doesn't 
you're going to play another note. <laughs> <laughs> That's if you'll notice when I was talking about how much sustain your guitar had, I was just holding out notes because they yeah. they wanted yeah, to right. sustain, well, and that's guess, a beautiful thing. Guess what? Right. So that's the, the thing. You know, these guitars that we choose to play, and these and these amps that we choose to play through, they're all going to do that mm-hmm. or not, and we're all going to respond to that. So, well, I guess I'll skip the question where I ask about uh, using my Kemper profiler to profile your amps. <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> I, down, dude. Full disclosure. Uh, very uh, very beginning of the two thousand. I wanted to have a, a, a really, really wide range of sounds available to me on a stage to play because I'd been in this band for about 10 years and we sort of had three or four sounds, mm-hmm. you know, and I wanted to be able to get really close to them all. So guess what? I Did you get a pop? I was li- I, Line 6 Pro, thank you. Oh, yeah. Pro XT. The rad version Pro XT. <laughs> yeah. So in other words, I spent even more money for the same capabilities. <laughs> and uh, you had to carry it around in a rack too. I made it up with... with I thought I was uh, I was being all clever. I made it up with a um, a cool Mesa Boogie power amp that they made that actually had uh, 15 watts per side. Stereo, uh, I'm not uh, mad stereo at that. EL, yeah, yeah. EL84s. Oh, not ooh, it's kind of cool. Dude, I kind of like your 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 rig. It there, was going to be best of both worlds, yeah. right? Where I was going to turn off the, the cabinet simulator and. No, I had to do. I did. I did. I mean, God, it killed to have had the, the you know the capabilities of a Kemper oh, back exactly. then. Exactly. So, I know people do. People do really cool things with whatever the thing is that's placed in front of them, and uh, and if they need all this versatility, the Kemper gets them that. Some totally. other products. But what the feel gets you is what what you're talking well, about. Yeah, yeah that's know? the thing. I got this Kemper for ease of use and for recording purposes. But there's a 100%. reason I still own ten tube amps. Dude, the VT you know? four, like the VT. Uh, I mean, yeah, VT forty like yeah. that. That's that thing, a, it just punches you in the chest. I was gonna say it's such an idiosyncratic amp yeah uh it's it sounds clean but does it sound clean like any other amp you've ever heard probably kind of no, not really like a, a v4 vt it's gnarly that's yeah. why i i i've had i have a basement i've got all sorts of amps that i thought was my sound and then for some reason that one just started responding yeah, right right to me but it makes me play different than when i plug into a kemper or when i plug into one of your amps and like, i think yeah. that's that's the key here is like, like you've got to play something that makes you feel something yeah I mean, you have to play something that makes you feel something because otherwise okay. you're just sort of like a a note input device. So let, let's talk for a second Wait, hold about. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got note input device. Yeah, Dude, that's amazing. Wait. I love that. What did you just say? I was gonna ask about your line. You guys have a line. You got a few amps out. Got a few amps. Two amps. Let's, let's out, talk amps a, right now. And a few on the way. So the first thing that I developed was uh, a pretty faithful recreation of a summer treble and bass. We talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple tweaks for the modern era, so that was a uh, um, the best sounding uh, master volume I could come up with. Can I ask why? Yeah, like why did oh, you? I come really up wanted with those, to dig into the master volume. Two. Why? What two? Why did you come up with those? Like the idea of those amps? Like what inspired? Uh, okay. Because the solar uh, based. Because well, what I what how I saw them getting used was that they were really really cool pedal platforms, but. Uh, a pedal platform that had a lot of character, so not a lot. That was a non-sterile pedal platform, and um, and that's why I, I I really gravitated towards them. They worked differently than Marshalls did. They overdrive differently. Uh, the clean sound had this um, for reasons that are I've sort of since discovered, but were are kind of nerdy to go into. They have a have a huge amount of clean bloom, um, and they have a huge um, uh, amount of touch sensitivity. So. You can play something light and play it heavy, and you can go from clean to to distortion. Uh, and 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 the first people that played the amps uh, that were sort of we'll call them beta testers really got off on the fact that they could they could crank the amp way up and then just use the volume knob on their guitar to back off to a clean sound. So 
Uh, I felt like that not every amp really works that way. So let's take a Fender Blackface and what's that great for? Well, it's great for a clean sound and you can overdrive it with a tube screamer or it's a, not mi- a mild that, overdrive, right. but that's not yeah. really going to, I haven't heard a lot of, a lot of people make a, a great, like really overdriven sound via pedals with that that amp and turning that thing up to 10 you know let's say a, a fender twin reverb or something like that it's, it's not an overdrive sound that a lot of people a lot of people love uh, step over to a fender or step over sorry to a marshall and yeah, uh, and then you've got a sound where you know you, once you get to the good place uh, of a jcm 800 you back off the volume and it's just kind of like eh, it's puh. yeah no it's 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 either it's just kind of lifeless and not very cool but also not very uh, it's a, it's a bit it's just kind of dull and and it and that doesn't work either so two great amps you know two oh, yeah. that sound awesome legendary but yeah. but, hard, but hard to go from one to the other so i was really looking for something uh i was really i was really blown away by the fact that the selmers seemed to be able to to really move back and forth between between those, so uh, you know, '90s guy that I am, uh, we were talking about a binary choice earlier. I mean, a bi- nothing's more binary of a choice than than um, the verse and the chorus of "Creep" by Radiohead. Oh, nothing's more binary of a choice of the clean to dirty of the first, f- you know, eight measures of of "Smells Like Teen Spirit," and then everything that happens after that. Um, but uh some of the cool stuff happens when you can really move between those uh and uh and that's what the selmers kind of gave me that's that's why i chose what i chose so that that was the flagship amp oh yeah so uh, i guess the topography of the amps between the 18 and the 50 is there anything different in the circuit or is it strictly just the output yeah there's some some stuff different in the circuit the um the the Filmoir fifty is a um, you know it's a fifty watt amp that's pretty high powered. The Filmoir eighteen, um, I really um, I really went back to some amps for the power section that were kind of like like a Vox AC fifteen or an amp that again a, a lot of people think of as iconic in the UK but it's not super well known here called the Watkins Dominator. Yeah, the old uh, Watkins. The old Watkins. And which a lot of people kind of credit with the sort of the sound of like UK rock and roll in, in the late fifties and, and early sixties with, with all of its 17 Watts of, of output, it was the loudest amp you could buy in, in post-war Britain. They wow. were cheap too. I they think. were, they were that, super that cheap and you know, they were kind of cheaply constructed in certain sure. ways, but was it 84s back then? Too? And it was 84s. 84s were, you know, 84s were a, a tube that was really, really popular in, Everything in the UK, guitar amps, radios, mm-hmm. uh, PA systems for a while, things like Military that. Military field, I yeah. think they used them. Yeah, it was it was really it was really widely used. So the 18 is really just a, uh, an attempt to make the you know the cool things I liked about the about the Fillmore 50 with something kind of more Watkins Dominator or, or Vox AC 15 ish. Uh, and so I wanted to, I wanted it to overdrive earlier. I wanted it to mm-hmm. work more like in a sort of a club, a littler club setting. Yeah, yeah. And then, then this is like a super nerdy thing, but we've already I think we've already crossed that bridge. Get him, dude. When you're so we were talking before <laughs> about just like changing components and how maybe sometimes they can make a really big or a yeah. really small change. Is that are you talking? specifically about say like the value of a capacitor or are you talking about even like the make like a you can get the same um i gotta be honest mainly the mainly the value okay uh here's how it works 
you know, people will discuss uh, online a lot about sort of like the uh, their chosen capacitor for an amplifier. Mm-hmm. For it's got to be Mallory 150s, or yeah. it's got to be Sozos, or it's got to be. Um, or it's got to be uh, orange drops or, or whatever it happens. Sprogs, bro. Sprogs, Sprogs. Wow. If you and if you really want to shell out, then yes, the, <laughs> the, the Sprogs. Yeah. Sprogs caps, bro. Uh, so um, there is a, they all sound a little bit different. And the, and the thing is, if you use them throughout the entire amplifier, you, you will hear the amp change a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. And I've got my own opinions about that, about what makes sense for my amps. I would have, a, if I was making the amps that sounded different, I would have different opinions. Yep. Um, as in, not, none of them are better or worse. They're just more appropriate Different. to the task. Yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, so for me, it's it's Mallory 150s. I've gone through everything, and that's just, is just what works for me. They're not actually Mallory 150s. They're they're made by a company now called uh, Cornell Dubillier. Uh, so yeah, that has a bit of a bearing. But actually, more important is the values. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's actually the the bigger deal to me. And again, to go, I, I, there are a few things about the amp specifically I want to ask, but and this can be, I guess, a little bit more of a general question. Mm-hmm. I feel like in because both your amps have master volumes, and, yeah. and 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 I and I think in for some reason, and I don't, I want to try to understand a little more. I feel like they've got master volumes have this weird stigma attached to them, and a lot for a lot of people, or maybe uh-huh. is that because people took old amps and tried to add master volume to the them master, later on like or why did they like, add it, yeah did they add it wrong well uh, almost every master volume turned down sounds you know what's the the idealized master volume would be a quieter version but just as raging exactly right <laughs> i mean that, what that's what that you would, that's mean? what you would want you'd mm-hmm. be like i love the way this sounds but that guy just told me to turn down and he's kind of right, uh, right because we're at the hideout. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you know? so, turn my amp around and turn it down to one. So, so what am I going to do about this? So you, that's what it's there for. It's and, the same thing, but just And quieter. you turn it down. But it's like it, it, it can't help but lose a little something somewhere along the lines. And I mean, the thing about, the thing about uh, uh, using a dummy, like a dummy load, uh, mm-hmm. you know, using some kind of like using your Fryette or using your, you know, whatever it happens to be to, to, uh, to bring down the level uh, at, at the speaker output. Well, you know, those lose something too. They just, it's a different kind of a losing something than, yep. than a master volume. I, I feel like there's just no great way to do it. I settled I re- on the way I hated the least. <laughs> okay, which is like, what is that? How did how did that, that happen? Well, in my particular amps, that's that is, um, in my particular amp, that's uh, a, a post phase inverter um, uh, master volume. There's arguments for pre post. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you go online and read about them. You'll see people l- lose a night. Yeah, uh, ah. reading about people arguing about them. I know what I'm doing after you, you got leave. some free time on your hands, right? I, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm off on Sundays and Mondays, so, <laughs> so I know what I've got going on until Tuesday. I chose a few different kinds. Uh, I settled on the one that, that, like I said, that I hated the least. Right on. Um, well, also, I, I don't. I, I could tell that it was doing something, um, and I and I have been able to. And I, I will add that I like your master volume. I've been able to use it at very quiet and very loud yeah. levels. And, I've been surprised at how how well it's worked. And it works. Not, yeah, it works really well. What does the what exactly is happening with the cut knob in that circuit? Okay, the cut knob is something that never existed on the original um, the original Selmers. But the thing about a Selmer uh, treble and bass is it's a really bright amplifier. Okay, if you want it, and that's. People wanted to get people just that's what people wanted. They wanted to get to really bright. They they heard uh, American amps, which they 
interpreted as being a lot brighter than British amps. Really, they're just missing the mid range, so but it they, did, they sounded brighter. They didn't get it. Yeah, exactly. They, what, what they really heard was they heard they heard amps that were scooped out in the mid range. Mm-hmm. They interpreted that as being bright and they started making really bright amps to try and keep up with the Americans or to try and equal what they thought that that American amps were doing. So I just wanted to add that in there for the person who wanted to um who wanted to just be able to dial that back. So I I think of I think of, you know, all the different tonal spectrums of of various guitars you're gonna plug into an amp. It's like you could have a Jaguar with a treble pickup. Mm. You could have Fatelli strat with some middle setting or whatever you could have a les paul and uh the trick is to give the give the amp the tonal ability to deal with all of that so okay so is that kind of like you season to taste with with however you like your eq and then maybe based on what instrument you're using that would yeah be and then at the end the at the end of the whole thing that that you use the cut control cut control is a lot like a the cut control on um a vox ac30 mm-hmm which um, you kind of just use to like lop off the very top end of stuff. Uh, on the on, Really, it's one of the last things it hits before it's on its way out the door, okay. we'll say. Right on. Uh, when you're designing and you're thinking about how, how this amp is going to be used and then even your next sort of releases that you're working on or, mm-hmm. or are done with, are you thinking, okay, like, I'm gonna set. I'm gonna design this so that when the controls are set to noon, it sounds how I want it well, to that's, sound. That's a good or question. like, how does that? How do you? Yeah, it's funny that you that? say that because you know a lot of amps have like sort of a holy grail setting, mm-hmm. right? People will decide like, seven. Like, like everybody knows you turn this to that, to and that, to that. Yeah, turn the bass all the way down on a GTM or whatever. Yeah, it, is. it doesn't really sound like itself. To exactly. Turn to these. So I, I thought to myself, and especially as a coming out of a, a, like a pro audio background. Mm-hmm. Like this should all just work at noon. Like noon should be the start. Uh, so the EQ, what, yeah. what I decided was, um, was bridge position uh, on a telly is going to be noon to me. Like okay, I'm going like to benchmark. That's the I'm going to use that as the benchmark, and 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 everything from there. I'm going to use that. But hey, if you want to play, if you want to play a Les Paul on the neck pickup, and have it still sound defined and yep. and chimey, it's. That's that's going to be possible on some amps, but not all amps. But I wanted that to be available. And then if you want to take, um, if you want to say, take a Jaguar, play it on the bridge position, and have it sound kind of dark, right? What well, what, a, what a task that is. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, like, are we surfing or? <laughs> right. You know, something like that. Then, uh, then I wanted that to sort of be available to you as well. I wanted there, you'd have a wide a range, and yeah, I wanted I wanted noon everything noon to kind of be like not too loud. Not too distorted, not too clean, mm-hmm. not too bright, not too dark. We didn't talk a lot about guitars today, um, but like you brought a you brought a Gibson here, and you said right. that you have some benchmark guitars that you bring, yeah, to yeah. test everything. This so is, what? This is how a, does that work? Like, this is about to be a, a benchmark guitar, but this is and this also has a, a a funny part to play in my life, which is um, in the '90s, I uh, I formed a band in the early '90s in Champaign, and, and that band was called Hum. Well, I was well, I was in Hum, and oh. then I was in another band that was called Menthol. That oh, came, that, that oh, right, out, right, of course. Came Sweet band. They came after that. I and, just read the Empty Bottle book, and Menthol definitely gets mentioned. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. we played we played quite a bit at the Empty oh, yeah. Bottle. Guys are legends. Uh, and uh, the first couple of Menthol practices, I had a Rickenbacker three thirty, and I was in a three piece, and we wanted to fill up a lot of space, and I was like, "This ain't working." Yeah, the Rick won't cut it. So cool guitar, awesome guitar. But uh, that's where Les Paul came in, 
uh, fast forward to like 2006 or 2007, and I was kind of like in a, well, I guess I'll call it like a gypsy punk band, and Les Pauls had no place there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was all sort of twangy and sort of surfy and cool in that in that in a different kind of a way, and I didn't have any Les Pauls, um, and so uh, uh, some people contacted me about about getting Menthol back together for a show down at Matt Talbot's Loose Cobra. Oh man! Here, is this, we, is this you, a holla? Can you please holla to, to Matt Talbot? And also, just can you just tell us that story? Because I know we told yeah, it before the pod. Right. Whatever. Should, do we? Do we? So, do, right. I'll finish this thought, then we'll yeah, diverge. We'll we go. Will. We'll go please. back. Thank if you, you if you remind me, we'll go back to. I'll try. Uh, we'll go back to uh, that story. Blues Cobra. So, uh, yeah. So I master reform this band and and do the show, and I'm like, man, I'm gonna need Les Paul. Okay. So. Uh, uh, I happen to love '90s Les Pauls, like we were talking about. Yep. I felt like they just kind of went back to the basics, uh, not even just like Les Paul standards, but but the studios and also Les Paul specials. Gibson in general. Holla, holla to Les Paul specials. I really want a special, For, like really bad. 1997. I want to say they yeah. showed up uh, these reissues. Okay. All right, uh, but in a variety of colors that they never uh, they never offered back in the day. But they sound phenomenal. Um, anyway. So it, I feel like it's sort of like a, it was a it was a, a second golden era of of Gibson in a way. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this part out of the show so that nobody hears them and doesn't buy them all out from underneath me before. Yeah, I right. right? I was like, can we replace them with <laughs> Buck Owens Telecasters, please? So, but here's the funny thing. Also, uh, I had a, when I was playing in Menthol, I had an amp that was really iconic and really an integral part of of the Menthol sound, and that. So I thought it was a uh, it was a hundred watt nineteen sixty nine Marshall Plexi, mm-hmm. which I Sweet. bought I bought in the back of a music store in uh, in Champaign that was purported to have formerly belonged to Gary Richrath, the lead guitar player from Aria Speedwagon. Wow! Uh, and it and didn't cost a lot of money because everybody wanted Roland Jazz choruses in in yep. well say nineteen eighty eight nineteen ninety nine. I was just out of high school, and uh, that amp just had this is a. a amazing tone but guess what it was nowhere near stock and when i've gone back to play mm. amps that are just like straight up marshall plexis same one doesn't really work for me mm-hmm. like this not it's just not the particular sound i'm after so uh crazy ampner that i am uh i sold that amp later because I, I just didn't need anything that that heavy i'm, I'm using quotation marks yeah. uh listeners um, I didn't don't anything, offend Henry. He's, I didn't need anything that heavy. So, but I took pictures of the inside of the whole inside of the amp, and uh, uh, and left it at that. Sold the amp, and then um, later on, I'm like, oh, then I became an amplifier maker. What kind of a dumbass was I for not like, f- you know, getting the schematics? And, uh, and, and or like you know tracing tracing and everything and like why right. didn't I do that? I had this thing that basically def- yeah. like defined how I made music for ten years. Yeah. Uh, it was really important to me. I was a music nerd, but I didn't do this. Didn't write way, it down. Way to drop the ball, Balthazar. Oh, that's so, kind of cool though. Well, here's 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 the cool thing about it though. Uh, is uh, fast forward to a couple weeks ago, I'm thinking about like, you know what? I should just make my own amp to when this band reforms, and it, it'll be more like a high gain kind of amp. And that's not something I've you know I've been offering up to now. I find the pictures on which were probably taken with like an early digital camera, 
Oh, not even like your Razor flip phone. It no. was like an actual like <laughs> Sony CyberShot. Yeah, like it, boom. Yeah. No, you know it's it. almost like I totally Eight stole, stole yeah, half I mean, my I, Sony right. CyberShot. No, you said that like you own one. I for do. Sure. I yeah. No, do. it was totally a CyberShot. <laughs> It it's was, in a drawer, though. Let's was, be honest. You know, it is. right? I extracted the SD card, and <laughs> it, no, but I, I actually found the pictures, and uh, unlike unlike 2006 Balthazar, 2017 Balthazar looked at it, and I, and for about 15 minutes, I was like, "These are useless. There's no what 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 can I get from this? I can't see anything here." And then and then 15 minutes would go by, and I'd be like, "Wait a minute." And then 15 minutes would go by, and I'd be like wait a minute if that's this then that's probably this mm-hmm. and then i would go in a, over to another part of the picture nice. and i'd be like it is and then i realized that i thought that this amp had been had been modified by a a, a like a shaman a guru a, a some yeah. kind of like arch, <laughs> some mystical creature some kind of like archbishop of amp of amp repair alexander into, dumble it, himself into something into something completely unique that that i would never be able to replicate and actually, I looked at the whole thing, and I took a bunch of notes down. And I was like, "I bet when I look at this, at this, and I'm gonna, rev- it's there's gonna be a reveal here. When I look at this, I bet this is gonna be that." And I pulled up a schematic for a JCM 800 mic, or uh, you know, uh, guitar pre, and I was like, "It's just that they did the gain mod. They just all they did was they took a Marshall Plexi, and they turned it, they turned it into a JCM 800." And wow. I was like. I knew I liked JC. <laughs> so the it actually is, is probably going to spawn a product which is going to be uh, which is going to be a JCM eight hundred uh, pre into what is sort of like the film noir f- the fifty um, uh, power oh, section. So can I ask you one God, more question? I want to play that. It's going to be that. cool. <laughs> That'll be cool. I want to play that, and uh, I got to ask you one more question, dude. As a gear hawk, as a bass boy. Mm. Do you guys have a bass amp? Are you going to build a bass amp? There is going to be there is going to be a bass amp. Uh, my business partner, uh, <laughs> poor guy, half the reason he he uh, went into business with me was so that we would build a um, amp, maybe as the first product. Which um, here's my here's here's what let's I, talk watts. Let's talk tubes. Yeah. What's going here's, on? Here's here's my thing uh, that I think. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be really inconveniently huge and um, <laughs> heavy as fuck. No, I know that you know nowadays basically like uh, you know. No, dude, I have one I throw in my backpack, like a little mini. Mark. Yeah, there yeah. are these class D things that mm-hmm. that. No, let's talk big heavy tube amps. Okay, dude, this is gonna be a big heavy tube amp, yep. but it's gonna be uh, be a big heavy tube amp with a twist, which is that uh, when I was a recording engineer, I always loved the sound of flip tops B15s, the super round sound. They have a usable range. Like they have a tiny little sweet spot above that's just like you know it's a sort of a, a, a fart with a tone. My problem with those was the cabs were never and big the, enough to handle and what the cabs they were, were never, And they would right, they would turn into they would sort of make the they because basically the cabs make, are, they were too skinny. They, they basically like, make the speaker fart out. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if it was too quiet, it was such a noisy amplifier that sure. it would just be like shh. With yeah, some, yeah, With right? some bass, it's like bass, what's the point? With some bass notes interspersed in between. So uh, uh, I've always wanted to make a, a stadium volume, like a like a two hundred watt. Yeah, two hundred at least or four hundred watt. Ooh, now we're talking um, Mesa like, like Mesa four uh, like a Mesa oh, four hundred with, yeah, with the B fifteen. Uh, sort of wow. I don't know if it's going to be the B fifteen like a specific. Well, if but it's going to be like that kind of prototype, round, it, dude, I will I, happily. Well, run I will. It for I you, do. Man. I will need people to prototype Love it. That. So. 
that's what's on the horizon. And then I'm also developing a uh, a really small, well, well for in my world anyway, a really small combo that's going to have reverb and going to have tremolo. Oh, cool. Um, nice. And that's going to be kind of... How many? What are we talking about? Like 13, 13 watts? 13 watts. Uh, there's an eighty-fours. What's that? El eighty-fours again. There's an amp that came through my shop for repair that I kind of dug. Um, and what it is is, uh, if you get something called a Vox Cambridge, mm-hmm. you go into a, oh, yeah, you go dude. into a pawn shop. Four of out of five of those are going to be these pretty, well, it's pretty shitty sounding solid state. Yeah, there totally. can be great solid. They state. are solid, right? Uh, not originally. But their one out of five will be this very first version that they made Nuh-uh. that was a, t- a tube version mm-hmm. that's kind of like what they called it a Cambridge. Under the same name. Can you, the reason why, it was trying to con- compete with a Princeton. Oh, okay. Uh, so in our, we're going to take a British university and compete yeah. with your American called university. Called the Oxford. Yeah, right. So uh, that's what why they named it a Cambridge. And uh, there's a there's a, a Harvard too. Now that I think about it, there's a Harvard. It. Yeah. yeah, and then the, and then the head version of the Cambridge was a Berkeley. <laughs> no way, really? Yes, yes. Wow. Yeah, I've seen that. Also, uh, shitty solid state version. I was gonna say, I think the same guy in Craigslist is selling all three of those. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> but the tube one sounds awesome, and it's an unsung hero because they didn't stay with it for very long. So that amp kind of inspired me to to kind of mess around with like that, that like like I guess for back. For lack of a better descriptor, it's it's a British Princeton. Rad. Does that suck? I'll take I it, dude. I, I mean, so. are you kidding me? It's like yeah. Wow. I I can't wait to hear that. I like I, like I said. I mean, I've I've now spent a lot of time plugged into both of the amps that you have out right now with right a, many different guitars. I'm more I'm mostly a Les Paul guy, so that's usually what I'll plug in. But yeah, when people come in, I'm plugging in plugging them in. I'm a Strat man, time. so like let's get. You they know, sound awesome. I'm super excited about everything on the horizon from you. Right on. I'd be remiss if I didn't at least touch on the cosmetics of your amps since they're so freaking yeah. beautiful. Me too, first of all. Let's go. Yeah, so what are we talking uh, about? The, the, the rumor is when Selmer was uh, was making amps in that period that they had a lot of like leftover saxophone and violin case alligator skin. Alligator cool. skin cases. And uh and I just kind of went with that. So uh I found uh I found a place in LA that made silver alligator <laughs> and somewhere there's a drag queen bumming because right? she took it all. I am buying out all the stock and uh um and and that was I mean that was just, that was part of the fun of it is to get the look kind of like Kind of like, but not exactly like the old Selmers. So for people who don't know, they had a few different periods of and sort of distinct aesthetics. One of which was, um, one of which was just the prodigious use of of a sort of a strange silvery green. We don't know what it looked like originally. Yeah, we it's have like no a idea. teal. It's now sort of probably faded. It's probably kind of like a checked green, green. You know, a gold top that's turning green. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know. You can't describe the color. Who knows what it looked like when it was original. So, uh I I kind of went with that. Dude. There are some of the Your most striking are, amps I've maybe ever seen. I know. It, On the inside, weird. is it are they pine cabinets or what are they? They are not the pine. They're 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 Baltic birch. Oh, okay. Um yeah, so I I get them made actually. I get them made down in uh in the St. Louis area. And uh and they do a great job. Uh I and it was really important to me. The look of the amp was was uh, important enough for me to really go shopping around until mm-hmm. I found the people that like just did it looking great every time. And I guess sort of the last major component of the of the amp that we haven't really talked about is speakers. What are what are you putting in those? Uh, 
I've got a weird, a bit of a weird choice for the closed, the or we'll call it the flex back mm-hmm. uh, two twelve, which which mates up with the Fillmore fifty. That's a that's a Celestian Creamback. Oh, great! Mm. And Creambacks are kind of they're kind of the sleepers in yep. a way. I was gonna say kind of underrated. They're kind of underrated. They don't have the same scoop as a Greenback. Mm-hmm. They don't have, uh, you know, they just they don't have the huge power handling capability of some of some of their larger um or not larger but some of their more powerful speakers they, they're still 25 watts they're 65 watts oh they're 65 watts yeah oh, okay and here's here's a weird thing actually that i learned over time at least my this is my own personal takeaway is uh when you are working with vintage amplifiers everybody tells you oh man you're gonna get so much cool distortion out of like overdriving a speaker i mean that's right. you really got me by the kinks and that's that's a whole bunch of other iconic recordings so you try that with new as-built Celestian speakers and you overdrive the hell out of, mm-hmm. out of a speaker. So let's say you take a 50-watt amp and you run it into a 25-watt speaker and you, you're, really, you're really overdriving it uh, at the speaker itself. Mm-hmm. Turns out speakers as made now just don't, they just don't. They don't break like they. They used don't to. break like they used to. Mm-hmm. So you can take an old Gretsch amp and you can turn it way up, and that's a great rockabilly sound as you hear yep. the speaker itself overdrive. Yep. You can take uh, any number of amps that are from the early '60s and do that. You take an amp now and you do that, and that's like it's. Well, it, the construction's better, the so construction, they're probably right, like everything, built everything too is, well. Unfortunately, way, everything's right? made so well right. that I was like, you know what? <laughs> I thought the I would, breakup was actually part of it being right. a piece of shit. I thought I would love a fifty watt amp driving a fifty watt cabinet. I don't love that actually. Once we're once we're turning the whole thing up, to, you would up to ten. I might have yeah. I might have in some other time. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, it's a pair of sixty five watt amps or sixty five watt speakers that are um, that are going to add up to uh, one hundred thirty five watts. Uh, that's on the Fillmore fifty side mm-hmm. on uh, for the eighteen. Uh, I'm a I'm a man of expensive tastes, and I fell in love with the Alnico Gold, also made by Celestian, mm, nice. with that particular uh, amp. I wanted to like something cheaper. <laughs> right. I wish that I, I wish it was cheaper. Right? I wish that I had, but I, I I just kept going back to that. I'm like, yeah, that's the way this amp oh, is man, supposed to sound. I love those golds. They're they're essentially like higher power rating than the, yeah. the blues. Than the blues, but yeah. and supposedly they're supposed to sound the same. And in, in my experience, maybe it's just because of the power handling, they sound a little less. I guess spiky than maybe some of the selection blues that I've heard. I feel like it's, diff- it's a different thing. Like just forget about whether or not a, a you know, supposedly a an Alnico Gold is a is a higher wattage and also broken in blue. Right. Uh, maybe, but it's, to me, it's just like a great sounding higher wattage uh, Alnico speaker. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's an exact if it's just like a blue. I kind of feel like it's not in a certain way. I agree. Maybe because of the reason that you said where it's not as spiky, there's not as many hills and valleys in the frequency response on the gold. And then they just come out with this new thing called the Ruby. Oh, I haven't seen that. Which come which comes in at 35 watts. So in between. Which is also going to be worth checking out. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, speaking of stuff stuff worth checking out, I think people are going to need to listen to this episode. Can you promote? We just, learned, some, we just learned so much uh, stuff. Will you tell us a little bit about yeah. where the folks can find you on the internet and all that? They good stuff? find us at www.balthazaraudiosystems.com, which is one of the longer uh, URL names you're going to write out yeah. these days. Yeah, you guys have that's part of typing tests now, like how your words per minute you have to type out Balthazar Audio exactly. Systems. Exactly. Tiring. For I, the young kids, nobody's going to. I still get it. I still get it wrong. Uh, and you can also find us on Instagram at Balthazar Audio Systems. 
but we, you know what we didn't do? We what didn't did we finish do? the Loose Cobra, Loose Cobra, baby. Cobra baby. Thank you. Let, yes. Let's end there. We have to. Okay. So uh, I had a, a, a dear friend of mine. Uh, I was in a band with him for many years, and then he was a client of mine. I, I would uh, do studio repairs. He opened a studio called Earth Analog down in uh, down in Tolono, Illinois. Previous guest of the show, Brian Kavitan from Sunjacket. Uh, oh. Talked about recording at that studio. On, it's a, one on of our podcast. buddies. It's yeah. a hilarious place. It is a. It was. Uh, well, I think for lack of a better word, it was a den of iniquity that Ario Speedwagon <laughs> had built so that they could get out of champagne, and it basically looks like a '70s porno movie uh, preserved. Wow. Uh, upstairs and down, like there's sort of like there's weird like conversation pit like levels to things you're just like why'd you make a bunch of step ups to there <laughs> yeah. like why do we need because it? it was the 70s yeah. and then you cover it with shag rug it's amazing uh we we matt and i uh, you know uh installed the studio there then i would come back and, and i would do repairs there so one night i can't remember what year uh we're done with repairs we're drinking whiskey we start coming up with this the dumb uh, uh, comedy skits that me and him are are want to do, and we're like, "Hey, man, what if there was a skit about a bar, and the drinks were just kind of inexplicably cheap, with the understanding that there was a large loose cobra in the bar." <laughs> I'm in, dude. And Sign me up. That you just had to be cool with that, and that's your under, you know. I mean, me and so many of my friends are in. You want to drink cheap? That's just part. It's gonna be around somewhere. Part of the deal. You don't know where it is. So months later, Matt sends me a picture, and the picture just is a close-up photograph of a city of Tolono, which is a couple a uh, couple miles south of Champaign. Uh, city of Tolono business license Loose Cobra Incorporated, oh my and I'm God. like, man. I was like, "That's gonna be you're gonna have one hell of a of a um a little league team." <laughs> when you, I can see the seven year old kids sponsored you, by with yeah. like the uh, it says loose cobra and like yeah the like cobra their kai jerseys. logo on yeah, the yeah back. cobra kai exactly cobra kai logo and he and he wasn't kidding. I was like, and I, was, I was, for a while I was just like completely in disbelief. I'm like, yeah, okay, that costs in Tolono that probably costs what like ten dollars a wooden nickel for, and a for, cup of coffee for that business license. Sure enough, I would drink there so he, hard though. He bought a roadhouse, and I do mean like a a oh my God. it was a small town roadhouse. Swayze's working the front door. Swayze working the front door, uh, called the Dead Horse Saloon. Be. And uh, and that and the loose cobra was born, and wow. the and the loose cobra has become this the preeminent live music venue in that that part of the world, and I and I mean including Champagne. Yeah, how weird is that? That's super weird, dude. Yeah. We can't thank you enough, man, for coming out. It's been my this pleasure. Is insane. That was awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Seriously, peace. Balthazar amps, bro. Balthazar amps. <laughs>